On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are reminiscing about Revenants with the return of Mike Flanagan in The Fall of the House of Usher on Netflix, concocting with chemicals with Brie Larson in Lessons in Chemistry on Apple, and finally, getting the chance to inveigle our way into the immortal universe as Anne Rice's interview with the vampire makes its criminally delayed debut on these shores. Plus, Philip Barantini joins us on the show to talk Boiling Point. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your essential guide to every show that matters, and a podcast that is here to address a grave injustice. <gasps> you will remember on last week's show that I committed a horrible oversight and forgot to introduce one of my beloved co-hosts. Well, <laughs> dear listener, we are not going to make the same mistake twice, for we are joined today by a man whose reputation can only precede him. Royalty, some might say, in the world of peak TV. His <laughs> celebrated opinions have graced pages of Heat magazine for a quarter of a century, his dulcet tones forming the backdrop for many a BAFTA Q&A, and whose unique cadence once put Stephen Frears into a coma. Uh, he is a sporting pundit of some renown, a staunch defender of broad ITV dramas, and a man who took Ooh. his third place position in the recent Pilot TV Bake Off with grace and composure. <laughs> <laughs> Not just a pundit on the small screen, he has amassed a wealth of personal appearances, lending his sage-like wisdom to such luminary discussions as Most Annoying People 2010, We Love Gavin and Stacey, Ooh, You Are Awful, colon, TV We Used to Love, The Barbara Windsor Story, The Michael McIntyre Story, The Graham Norton Story, wow. and an episode of Piers Morgan's Life Stories, which you'd better believe we're going to have to talk about at some point. Uh, he has, and this is absolutely true, two quotes attributed to him on the IMDb, and the first reads thusly. Noel Edmonds is a ridiculous figure. He should stick to doing Deal or No Deal. He's very good at it. Almost everything he's ever said about life beyond Deal or No Deal, or Noel's house party, has been preposterous, I'm afraid. The second is simply reads, I have no qualms about my anti-Noel Edmonds agenda. <laughs> but when he's not trolling beloved TV entertainers, Boyd enjoys Arsenal. He enjoys listening to my voice on the Empire podcast as he drifts off to sleep. And the pleasing font symmetry of the Futura bold italic typeface, specifically as it appears on the Supreme Bogo, which adorns many of the items in his wardrobe. He is Essex's most cherished son, the lion of Bermondsey, and the linchpin that holds the very fabric of Peak TV together. It is famously Boyd the Legend Hilton. <laughs> Oh my Very God, good. James, you're that gonna, was epic. You do realise you're going to get complaints. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get complaints from those people who consider your 10-minute rambles about, about the expanse. Look, it was a blessing that it wasn't be, about Taylor Swift. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you for that. Kay yeah. is also here. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. That God, was a that brilliant Noel intro. Noel thing is mad. I think I've read the Noel Edmonds thing out on this podcast That's before, so but for new true. listeners, it will be fresh. I mean, I stand by it, but yeah. what's funny is that... Um, it makes me sound like Alan Partridge because Alan Partridge has a hatred of Noel Edmonds running through his, his recent um, books and stuff. So I, I really sound... Your anti-Noel Edmonds yeah. agenda. I mean, he is... A, oh, yeah, yeah. So, boy, tell me, when was it that, that Noel first got on your bad side? Like, what did he do? What happened? You know, the real turning point for me with Noel, this is true, actually, is that... Um, when you had a run-in with Mr. Blobby. No, 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 no. He hosted this show on Sky that was fairly short-lived that basically involved him. I can't remember what it was called, but it basically involved... It was ahead of its time in a way because talking like must be 10, 15 years ago. It basically involved him shaming, naming and shaming people in like official jobs like car park attendants or counsellors or, mm. you know, and saying, 
they're, they're, they're like, you know, it's more than my job's worth type people that he considered to be worthy of his criticism. Mm. And he would single them out and like slag them off and expose them. What in channel? Sky, it was on Sky. Um, and it was a completely horrendous format. It was one of the worst formats <laughs> I've ever seen. And at that point, you were like, and I'm going like, to take that man down. Yeah, I was thinking that he's gone too far now. Yeah, yeah. He has invoked the ire I, of Boyd. I was also taken to a... a press launch with him once at the Soho, Soho Ho, Ho, Hotel <laughs> in London's fashionable Soho for like some, you know what I mean? Got into this kind of like, like spiritualist mm. stuff about numbers, numerology yeah. and all the, and they had that this, and they had this big press conference with him around this big, huge table. So I remember him just spouting absolute nonsense at us <laughs> for like half an hour. So yeah, he's a complete doofus. <laughs> so I mean, that's going to get added to the uh, IMDB yeah. page now. Yeah. Oh, I was trying to workshop. Is there a my first Noel? The first Noel? Is there the first Noel? Is there something I can do with that? But it turns out there wasn't. No, no, no. Because Elon No Deal was coming back, but without minus him, quite rightly. Who's hosting? That's a good question. I can't remember. I think they should bring in Arnold Schwarzenegger, and it should be called Deal or Raw Deal. (laughs) Good. Your obsession with Arnie continues. (laughs) Deal or No Deal revival revival minus Googling Stephen Mulhern. I don't, I don't yeah. know who that I, is. Of course you don't. I think that's a good choice. We know who he is. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a, good a nice guy. guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, that's a good that's a good gig for him, isn't it? Mm, very yeah. good, good. Yeah. good gig. A good gig. A good gig. A good gig. Okay, mm. great, marvelous, wonderful, super. Thank you though for my potted. That was like <laughs> when when you're about to die and you see that's your, your life. Obit right there. Yeah, taking place before your eyes. What's that what? phrase? Yeah. I wanted to do a more detailed bomb. But your LinkedIn <laughs> page, it has to be said, is is severely undercultivated. Oh, yeah, There's really not even use... a picture on there. Yeah, I don't use LinkedIn. Yeah. I often get like messages from people saying on random LinkedIn. I was like. I'm always yeah. You yeah. need to up your LinkedIn game. Okay. I mean, when you've been in the same job for 25 well, years, that's it, LinkedIn isn't it? seems to be fairly. Schminkton. <laughs> thanks, thanks very much. Yeah, that was, I have. I, though you still, you still win in this particular regard because I have never to date made a T-shirt with your face on it. So right, exactly. <laughs> Which you have oh, done for me. By so. the way, I found that last night. The other night, I was putting some T-shirts in the washer. I was like, there's the there's the the James Dyer T-shirt. I <laughs> yeah. should have just given. I can't believe I didn't give it to you. Yes, I you should I've just give it to me. It. I'll bring it in. You bring it in, and I will. I will then wear it forever. Oh no, yeah. you can't. Yeah. I mean, that's just a step too Imagine far. Imagine you just start wearing it around the house. Just around the just me T-shirt. Yeah, exactly. We're still outside of the house. That would be quite partridge. I dare you to wear it next week to work. But don't acknowledge it. Just yeah. Don't make any reference to it at all. All right. I'll do that. Brilliant. I will 100% oh, just God, wear it to work. It's like a t-shirt with my own face. Mm. <laughs> uh, the tonal shifts. They will change that nickname of kitchen, you know what, to something else. Oh, that's true. Yes, mm-hmm. that is true. You, you're now going to have to explain that no. reference, Kay. Mm. No, you've referenced it before. It have I? Yeah, have I referenced have. it before? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you've talked about it yeah. before. Yeah. Okay. And I didn't invent the name, so I no. don't feel I can go into it. But, no, this yeah. is this, for those of you listening... Uh, who don't know what it is, I was referred to as the kitchen sea unit around the office because apparently I had a brusque manner when making tea in the kitchen. voice, I believe. Uh, yeah, I think that was a large part to do with it. That mm. I'd be in there James splaining something tedious and people just found it insufferable. Mm. I mean, little do they know you have to sit with me for like an hour <laughs> plus each week and listen to it like in your face. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> speaking of things that I'm going to hold forth on, before we get into what we've been watching, I want to skip forward to something that isn't really news, but we would possibly normally carry in the news section. Right, here we go. It is the Hollywood Reporter's list of the 50 best TV oh, shows of the that. 21st century. Oh, I haven't seen this. Well, they have published a list. It is, as you may guess, 50 shows from the 21st century that they consider, in their infinite wisdom as a trade paper, to be the best. Now, 
I'm not going to go through all 50 of these because none of us have that kind of time and I think it would get tedious very, very quickly. But there are some surprises in here, not least of all some shows I've never literally heard of. Uh, and I, you know, I would query some of the higher choices as well. Uh, I'm going to say, okay, so things that surprised me. So we'll do this very quickly. And number 50, Sex and City. Okay, fine. Avatar The Last Airbender is in there, which I know does get a lot of love. That's one of those cartoon things. Oh, yeah. Um, Southside the Comedy Central comedy, I have never heard of. Oh, yeah, I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. And maybe it's just not been what released here in the that? UK. That, I mean, it's quite low. That's oh, 48, okay. so okay. it's not It's not particularly high. Vida on Stars at 47. Again, I've never heard oh, of I it. Th- I think we... I think we might have reviewed Did we review it? it? I think so. Oh, God. I remember that, it this coming is, This out. is going to be excruciating, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? It's yeah. what we were talking about last week when they have, like, just, like, one-word titles. Like, yeah. what the fuck was that? I'm pretty sure you think we reviewed we it. Well, that's that awkward, isn't it? A bell. I've never heard of this show that I 100% reviewed. I mean, maybe you're away. Uh, leftovers, quite low down, but on the list, which what is number's good. What number is Leftovers? Uh, leftovers are 44. Oh, fuck that. <laughs> right, the list wait is cancelled. That's it. We're right, done. Yeah. I'll have to find this list now. Uh, number 43, Anthony Bourdain, Parts Unknown. Oh, do you know what? There are loads of people who think he's... Yeah, that was on... Was that on CNN or something? It or, was, yeah. Yeah, there are loads of people who, who I've seen saying that how brilliant that was. Because he, he died shortly after, didn't he, I think? And it's become like a bit of a, a cult phenomenon, that series. Yeah, so I'm not that surprised about that. Okay. okay. I'm, just look, I'm just looking now, the top 10. Oh, my God. I'm, yeah, yeah look carry at the on. top 10. Okay. <laughs> and number 42, Station 11, which I totally understand, except none of us finished it. No. Uh, but then maybe that's us. They didn't finish it on the Kermode and Mayo podcast either. Okay, so it isn't just us. Okay, yeah. that's good to know. Yeah. That's good to know. Uh, right, let's see. Panda Brothers, good, good, good. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, again, good chat. The Shield in at 36, very pleased about that. Quite low. Chernobyl, 35, again. Happy. Really low. Yeah. Jane the Virgin at 34. Oh, that's a little bit surprising. surprising. Uh, Orange is the New Black at 33. Oh, come on. Uh, well, then maybe they're thinking early seasons Orange because obviously it went downhill, but it did start quite strong. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, you know, if we tell yeah. that Veep, 32. Mm. Fleabag, 31. Mm. At number 30, Game of Thrones. Okay. Then we go into Broad City. Uh, How To with John Wilson. I don't know what that is. That was a thing that which we I covered it. I think I talked about it a bit on here. It's been on BBC Two here. Okay. Yeah, it's like a reality, comedy, drama hybrid thing, as far as I can remember. Sounds unmissable. But very, very not you. <laughs> Parks and Rec, number 27. Battlestar Galactica, number 26. Now we're cooking. Now we're cooking. This is looking good. What a review on Comedy Central at 25. Again. Oh, is that, what that was is. animated, wasn't it? Was no, that anim- no, no, no. Was that, re- was that about comedy- critic? Uh, yes. I'm getting confused with The Critic, which was animated, and I think Review... Starred Andy Daly, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, was a thing about where he goes around reviewing stuff Has it somehow. aired over here? I don't think it has. I remember okay. seeing very good reviews of it. Yeah, I think that's what... That is a very... There's there's like a, there's a fairly small list of shows that I don't think have ever been shown. I'm pretty yeah. sure it hasn't. And that's on that list. Yeah. Okay. Number 24, your favourite and mine, I May Destroy You, Michaela Cole's show. Which I what absolutely watched. Say? That's number twenty-four. Okay, That's okay. Pretty good. Survivor is at uh, number twenty-three. So we're already like, oh my god, fuck off. To, to be rev- coming soon to BBC One. Mm. Who is it now? Mm. Better Things at twenty-two. Oh, I love Better mm. Things. Deadwood at twenty-one. Mm. Peep Show at twenty. Oh, good for that. Uh, Nineteen. Rectify. 18, Friday Night Lights, a show that I think Beth would enjoy. She probably watched that. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, Seventeen. Halt and Catch Fire. Oh, very high for that. Yeah. yeah, that's that's one of those that I really need to. That's all on um, uh, Channel Four one. online. Yeah, um, I need to watch that. I've watched a few episodes of it. But it's a period really piece, good. isn't it? Tech centric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's basically like Apple v yes. Microsoft dramatized, isn't it? Indeed. 
Yeah. Speaking of which, I made an excellent joke on the Empire podcast last week and it went completely over their heads. So, right, you know the Blackberry film? Yes. It's about Blackberry, right? Yes. And how Blackberry went out of business. Yes. And what put it out of business? Uh, Apple. Yes. Yes. I said it should have been called Rim Jobs. <laughs> you don't get it either, oh. do you? Isn't no, it? Yeah, Rim was it. like the company. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah, I would have got it. And, yeah. jobs. And yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I said that and Chris and Helen just stared at me blankly. I'm like, how is that not the funniest I thing you've heard all day? I don't know if that's your finest work. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, think, it's not I think funny. It's, like, it's quite... And also, I think the person has to work too hard <laughs> yeah, to get it. Your, your, your mind and, has to crank through yeah. it. No? And if you have to explain it just as well... Also, yeah. Yeah. The phrase rim job in itself is, is you know, I mean, rude. So I mean, really. sure, but I that's... Like you, I like how Boyd went rid of me Victoria. It's rude. It's a bit rude. I'm, <laughs> I'm offended. Oh, oh, my smelling salts. Pass me some lavender. Uh, yes. Actually, they were just probably reeling with shock. Yes. You know, perhaps perhaps they were clutching their pearls a little bit and they yeah. were just a bit upset by the whole thing. Yeah. Anyway, they didn't understand it. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, frankly unappreciated. <laughs> At number 16, very low, Breaking Bad. Oh, really? Yeah, that 16. Is a surprise. That's surprising. Oh, I'm shocked. Yeah, so am I. Wow. Uh, not that they're doing Medical shock Medical Saw, is that higher? Oh, well, you have to wait and see oh, it. 15, it Atlanta. Okay. At 14, Enlightened, which I'll be honest, I didn't actually enjoy all that much, which is the Laura Dern show. Yeah, um, it was good. It was good. At number 13, 30 for 30. ESPN. Oh, that's the now that is the umbrella title, isn't it, for their yeah. documentaries like the um, OJ Simpson documentary, yes. which is in itself one of the greatest things ever. Yes, made. so fair enough. Okay, yeah. bold statement. Now we're coming. We're, we're we're circling the top ten here. We're at number twelve. The Americans, which to my eternal shame, I've never finished. I stopped about halfway through season two. I've never gone back to it. I must go back. You to know, it. What I did. Which you're going to absolutely hate is that I watched the first couple of seasons. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. Stopped. Stopped at. F- Four and five, and went back and watched six without four and no! five. No, yeah. Boydie, disgrace. Yeah. Oh, it rankles so I've seen me a little bit too. Yeah, which I is brilliant. I can't, I can't cope with that. Yeah, I, I'm really, really, really mm. want to go back to the marriage. But again, and this is something that people will have realised. Like I sometimes struggle with period pieces. Like, like you know, Mad all Men, pieces. like uh, For All Mankind, because again, it's the periodness of it sometimes doesn't. It's recent periods, so it's like late twentieth century stuff. I'm just, I'm, mm, I, mm, yeah. I don't, it doesn't don't quite who, sit right with me. Who knows why? Yeah. I know, but I don't know why either. But there's I mean, some, there's like, something about it. Love, yeah, I know because yeah. it's far enough back. Okay. I think there's there's a there's a sweet spot for me, like period far back, but recent period pieces. Imagine if you were running things. If he was running, he'd be like, <laughs> you can make you can make your TV shows about the sliver of history, but neither uh, before or after, yeah. and mustn't be funny in any way. Oh God, no. It's like Don't nothing, nothing post nineteen fifty, yeah. but pre ninety five. That's yeah. basically that's that's, that's yeah, the period I don't I've like. I said it before. I'll say it again. <laughs> You're a ridiculous human being. Yeah. At least we got it. It's hard out. to disagree. Uh, number eleven. I mean, you are literally doing this countdown. Now, I am. Yeah, I, I said know. I'm not going to count down. <laughs> yeah, nothing. You are counting down. <laughs> Carry on. I'm now counting down. At yeah. uh, number eleven, The Daily Show. Okay. Yeah. And number ten. Bojack get... fucking horse. Yeah, what okay. the fuck? I mean, it is really good. What? But like, even I... Is it better than Breaking shows? Bad? No, it's not better than Breaking Bad. But yeah, it is. It is. I think that's good it, it feels like, again, and I don't want to... And also, I probably shouldn't be saying all this because we, we accepted voting for our greatest TV shows of all time probably about two months ago at this point and I have yet to pull the list together. Oh. It's been on my list to do for oh, so long and I've that. not got around to it. I will try and pull it together this week so we can get it up on the site maybe next week. Mm. Uh, but so, so I obviously should not um, make a rod for my own bat. But I do think putting BoJack Horseman in number 10 feels like stunt casting. It feels like they're making a statement. Hey, look, we're open to animation. Look at us. Uh... No, I would defend. I think there's a general feeling that that is a that is a brilliant show, general among among TV aficionados. Fine, yeah, okay. And number nine, Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, fair enough. It's classic, absolutely classic. Good show, not yeah. top ten. Uh, <laughs> at number eight, Girls. Oh, that's good. I, I applaud that. Yeah. That is top ten. 
Girls and, is a fucking brilliant show. And number seven. Uh, at number seven you're looking now aren't yeah, you looking now, yeah. better call Saul yeah, which I know people like to say oh it's better than Breaking Bad it's not I mean it's, it's just not but <laughs> but it, it is. is very good so what's the gap between this and what number was Breaking Bad I mean Bad? significant I yeah. think if they were like one or two away you'd be like yeah there's you know a lot of people are right yeah Breaking Bad was 16 just, and that's a big gap yeah I think that's yeah. weird and it's like the I next think, one is you're right. Is Better Call Saul. Like, it's it's like it's a great show, but I think the arc is less clean. And I also and I will stand by this. I think the first clean two seasons <laughs> clean your arc. <laughs> I think the first two seasons of Better Call Saul are, are, are occasionally a struggle because he's a dick. His brother's a dick. Mm. The people he works with, I know, are dicks. there is no one in it who's not a dick. I, I I kind of agree with you about even that. Kim's I a dick. Get, I didn't get I've, I didn't get obsessed with Better Call Saul until like season four. Oh, Three wow. or four. I mean, yeah. I liked it, but I found it quite slow yeah. going, tough it was. going. Yeah. Um, well so done I, for I, I agree with, with you. It. Thank you very much, Kate. <laughs> And number six, Reservation Dogs. Now, yeah, that's interesting. Some lauded TV critics mm. who I very much respect go on about this all the time. Yeah, and I've never watched a single episode, but it is supposed to be phenomenal. Yeah, um, and it does air here in the UK, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it's on Disney Plus. Yeah, yeah. pretty sure. Uh, so I would, I would suggest people should probably watch that, ourselves included. At some mm. point, maybe we should do that on Pilot Plus. Well, there's a there's a cultural exchange that we can, we can all exchange with ourselves. We can exchange. Yeah, we'll all just watch Reservation Dogs. Yeah. Maybe we should do that. Actually, we should mm. do that. We should do that. Alright, maybe we'll do that for next week. Maybe on next week's Pilot Plus, instead of doing a traditional cultural exchange, we will all watch the first episode of Reservation Dogs. Okay. Mm. Yeah? It does seem like you're trying to get out of watching your mum, my dad. Yeah, it does seem like that. I mean, it's getting it? further and further away. I mean, it's been like a month since it's been on. It's fine. It doesn't need to be topical. It's all good. It's all good. Well, just saying. Uh, no, we will definitely come to that. But yes, okay, let's watch this next for week. next week's part of course, the other thing, I've just remember the other thing we've got to get him to watch mm. quite soon is, you know what starts on Sunday? What? This Sunday. In fact, it would have started by the time this podcast comes out. It's Big Brother. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, Big Brother is back. Of course. That we've got to get him to yeah, watch one of those. Anyway, yeah, yeah. carry on. Carry on. There's a whole list. Yeah. Yeah, I think but after that's more the, topical uh, now. After my it? big brother impression that I did on the last oh, plus yeah. podcast, which oh, was, yeah, yeah, was horrendous. Yeah, it was upsetting for everyone involved. Um, at number five, The Wire, the greatest TV show ever made. So that's uh, that's interesting. But uh, top five, I can take that. At number four, Thirty Rock. Great. I love the fact that there's a half hour mainstream NBC yeah. primetime sitcom yeah. at number four, higher mm. than your favorite of all time, The Wire. And I salute that. Oh, sorry, no, boy, not my favorite, The Best. There's the a best. distinction. Yeah, right. <laughs> my favorite is The West Wing. Oh, yeah. Talking of the best and our favorite, which is, must be very low. Where's The West Wing? I mean, it's, it's not on this it's list. Not on Are the you list. serious? It's not on the list, boys. <laughs> that is fucking unbelievable. Well, and this, yeah. this is where we God, were going to get face. to. When we got to the I'm end of this sorry. list, this have whole I, list I, is invalidated. Oh, have I ruined your... Big, you have. Oh, I'm sorry. You have. That, you can edit that out. The entire, <laughs> no, no, it's fine. The entire list is invalidated by the absence of the list. It list. is, though. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Wow. At number three. Yeah. yeah. Succession. Yeah. Good. Makes yeah, sense. Fair enough. I think that's recency bias. I think it's great. I think it's great, yeah. but I don't think it's the third best show ever made. Sorry. I actually, I actually think you might be wrong there. I think, I think, I, I, I kind of, I think you have to take time to think about how just how good is it. But I actually think in about ten years' time, it probably will be up there yeah. among the top three shows. It's top I think five. it's that good. Yeah, I think so. I don't. And bearing in mind, this is a list that does not contain Happy Valley. I did think that, and at first well. I thought, I wonder if it's not. But, the but it's got other UK surprising shows. Surprising is the egregious is the West Wing. That is. I mean, that's absolutely because I mean that is pretty. That's like uni- they fucked up. Yeah. That's like the VAR fuck up this week. Oh no, football. no, no! They haven't fucked up. Oh, well, so they have fucked up. I think they they've have just forgotten up. about it. No, I don't think they've forgotten. I think we're in a situation where because it began in 1999, I think oh, they've disqualified it. But, right. But you cannot have your cake and eat it. And Sopranos is at number two, and that also debuted in 1999 yeah, so right. they can get oh, fucked yeah because oh, fuck if you've got Sopranos what's so the I, criteria because yeah. remember Boydie remember when you and I voted for that big yes. BBC list yes. TV shows yes. and we didn't put on the West Wing because 
It began well, in 1999. Well, we, well, we talk, they, they specified, didn't they, that it couldn't be. They, yeah, they were yeah, clear. But 100%. you're right, this is ridiculous. The, the Sopranos right. absolutely started in 1999, as did the West Wing. Yeah, and th- this, this, this has upset me. Because I believe on the BBC list, we didn't put Sopranos on either for that very reason. Mm. So, again, it's just like, it's mad. And it's not It's not like it was even close. Like, it literally aired at the beginning of 1999. So it's not, oh, it was a bit, you know, it was near mm. the end. No, it was the beginning of the year. So that's absolutely not. Whole list is cancelled. I'm sorry. And at number one, Sophie Petzl's favourite show of all time. Yeah. Mad Men. Yeah. Which I don't like. You must be gutted. I'm not happy. <laughs> yeah. I'm not amused. This whole list sucks. Um, I think I think the West Wing thing is extraordinary. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's a major disaster. Oh, fuck up. Disaster. Well, that's the thing. It's like I would, if Sopranos hadn't been on the list either, I'd have totally gone with it. I'd be like, okay, you know, you've stuck to your guns, mm-hmm. 21st century, I am with you. I think this is an oversight. I think they have forgotten. Yeah. And also because most of it aired during the 21st century, I don't think you can disqualify yeah. it just because it began at the tail end of the, the 20th. So, yeah. All right. Poo to the Hollywood Reporter. That's the. Uh, no, bueno. Smile we'll there. wait for our list. That's right. Wait for our list to be much better. It's basically the West Wing is every entry in the top 10. <laughs> what have we been watching? Okay. Oh, God, I forgot about that. <laughs> right. What have we been. Okay. I've been watching The Great British Bake Off now. We're two episodes in. By the time this comes out, yeah, we'll still be two eps deep. And I think that Alison Hammond is a completely brilliant addition to the lineup. So, James, she is co-hosting with Neil, um, Neil, Noel Fielding even. Um, and she's just great on it. Like, I just, she's fun, bubbly, infectious laughter. Um, but also, I just think they're having, I mean, they it's always a laugh on there. But, I mean, two weeks ago, we had Prue Leith talking about someone's beaver, um, a cake. And then uh, this week, we had some brilliant, brilliant, brilliant illusion cakes. And, yeah, so I've been watching that and enjoying that. Nice, wholesome entertainment. Then, oh, my gosh. I have been obsessed with... Game of Thrones? No. Strictly Come Dancing. Yes, oh, it's back. Yes, God. Strictly season. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm going to call you all right here. No. I'm allowed to talk about oh, it. Oh, no, that's fine. But what I'm going to say to you is, even my mum has given up on Strictly Come Dancing at this point. Well, listen. No. Why? I can't remember. I think you no. said it got boring. No, 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 no. Damn she it. needs to get in, back into it because this series is really good. Are you telling, telling his mum what to do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Just yeah, checking. Yeah. All right, mum, apparently you should continue. <laughs> yeah. Explain now I'm, to my mum why she should go Mrs. back to Strictly. I'm encouraging you to watch this because this year they've got a very, very strong lineup from the off, right? And I know there's been some like quibbles about people having training and blah, 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 but I ch- I'm zoning that out because I'm here for the dancing and it is a really strong year. So we've got Amanda Abington. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Um, who's great. Angela Scanlon, Leighton Williams. They're all great. Good dancers, natural rhythm, etc. I am <laughs> obsessed. Knows who these people are. I don't have a clue, but carry on. Uh, I am obsessed with no, Bobby Brazier. You are obsessed. I, I, can, <laughs> I can confirm she's obsessed. <laughs> I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with him because he's brilliant. He's such a lovely guy. Also, um, Boyd's saying that because I um, um, was a big fan of the Grazia cover. They had him on um, their... Uh, men's issue cover he looked amazing on that but he's just like he's sunshine in a human he's such a lovely guy and he's and he's great at dancing so I'm there for that also Nigel Harmon who has aged very well I have to say he was in EastEnders James of course he was um, and yeah and I mean obviously Les Dennis has gone out which oh I've a, heard of him Naked he, Jungle oh what that was Les Dennis wasn't it Naked, Naked Jungle? No, I think you're getting. Oh, is that Keith Jaguar? Keith Jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> they're kind of interchangeable. Yeah, be honest. They're both in extras, I think. <laughs> okay. Together. Or, yeah. You know, so oh, I, think that's I love the that you you, yeah. you threw him a lifeline there. Yeah. 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 Well, no, but they are they are basically interchangeable. Yeah, I do know what yeah. you mean. Similar. But, mm. Liz Dennis is is talented. I mean, he oh, is. Are you coming for Chiggers? What are you saying about Chiggers? Well, Chiggers, I'm Chiggers' talents are less. I mean, you're like you know, he played pop. 
He did play pop. He was a perfectly good TV presenter, but, you know, Les Dennis is a song and dance God. man, you know. So I'm just, first, you know, I'm more elevating Noel Edmonds, Dennis. Yeah. Now no, first Noel, now Cheggers. No, who's, next? who's next? Who's on your Boyd. list? Oh, God. I mean, good job Les Dawson's dead. Otherwise, you'd come over him oh, too. Never come. Dawson was a genius. <laughs> Dawson was brilliant. I would never criticise Dawson. Anyway, Les Dennis has gone out of the conversation, which was a bit of a blow because, I mean, obviously, not obviously, he, he couldn't dance, but he was quite insane. I mean, my toes were curling back in my shoes as I watched him oh, because God. he was putting all these expressions you never want to see sex faces well I, I've never been <laughs> on the receiving I've never been on the receiving end so I don't know but uh, yeah he's I mean, gone but yeah, yeah it's, it's just good so Miss Star I would say give it another go um, and we're only on week two and people are getting high scores for legitimate reasons because they are really good dancers. What do you say to the accusation that Lane Williams, for example, who is a, uh, he starred in the musical of um, Everything You Want, what's it called? Everything Jamie, that one, the Jamie musical. Oh, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, Everything You Need to Know About Jamie. <laughs> I'm going to have to look this up now, sorry. Um, he is, you know, he has literally been singing and dancing in musicals. He's, you know, he must have been trained to some extent that he's got an advantage for that reason. I'm not saying he's a true, ringer, but that's the but thing that people you say, know isn't what? it? In the past, they've had people on who have had either been to drama school yeah. where they would have had training. To, I mean, well, this is not a new been to old... drama school. Everybody's talking <laughs> about Speak Jamie. Speak for yourself, Boyd. <laughs> no, I haven't. I mean, you know, that's different, isn't it? To actually being not someone everyone, who's no, been not in a all mu- actors have been to drama no. school. Well, the vast majority. Right, not all of them. Okay. Anyway, everybody who's in everybody's talking about Jamie, which is involved singing, dancing, a lot of okay. dancing, as far as I'm aware. I, I, was, I don't. I'm not. What condemning I would say him. is, it's not a new argument, and you no, know, that's true. And a lot of contestants have been on before with previous experience, yes. and you know, it's just something that happens every series. It's like any of these shows, like where they have lines like, "Haven't heard of any of the people," oh, they've had, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I, on this occasion, I I choose to tune it out just because I'm here for the. I personally. I just love the dancing and the entertainment of it. And he is he is great. But mm. so is Amanda Abington. Who's the favourite to win? Fraser. I think they had him down as, yeah, at the beginning. I don't know if it's, it's changed, mm. but I he's he's definitely going to be in the final, I'm, I'm sure. Okay. And I think Amanda Abington stands a good chance too. Okay, interesting. So uh, I would urge Mrs. Dyer, as my final plea, to please get back into it. I'm happy to start up a WhatsApp group. And when I say group, just you and me, just tweet, uh, just messaging each other, a, uh, a tweet along, um, a WhatsApp along. And yeah, get back into it. So that's that. And then finally, the thing that I've been um, hooked on, obsessed with, which Boyd, I know, is going to talk about at length. So I'll just say oh, the David I? Beckham documentary. Oh, yeah. right? The Beckham. Spoiler alert. Oh, my God. And the reason why he should go into it, because he's watched all four episodes and I, last night, um, because I had to watch some other stuff for this, I only watched one. But I think No, because also I don't want to watch it all. I just want it to, I want to kind of spread it out a bit. It's so good for anyone, you know, like, who's a fan. You know, they were a pop culture phenomenon, James. You must have heard of them. (laughs) I'm familiar with who they are. Just about heard of them. It taps into the nostalgia, you know, of that time. Spice Girls, his football career. It also, I mean, this is a thing. I sort of have gotten over the time, over the the years of what a phenomenal footballer he was. Yeah. He was a midfielder. Oh, my God, James. I knew that. That's information well, I had. Slash forward. I mean, he was, was wide, he? Yeah, he was wide right for most of I his... I don't know what that means. Like, played wide, out wide, which <laughs> in, in a forward, in a, in, you know, not in... He's not really an out-and-out midfielder. It's, it's, I mean, he was in the end. It's complicated. It's I brought a knife to a gunfight, didn't but I? Yeah, you yeah, did. I just... You did. You did. But there was, a, there was an interesting moment in the documentary, was actually when he's asked to go... Be more, be more defensive because he's battling with Luis Figo. And did he go? Right did he go? Wing. Why? Why should I be more defensive? Why? Pretty much, yeah, oh, he did. He did. He wasn't happy. He wasn't happy. <laughs> no, he didn't get it. Kay's right. Kay's right. 
Kate's right though. Have you finished? No, so I'm um, oh, sorry. Oh, I thought you meant the series. <laughs> no, no, no. I oh, meant yeah. as you finished. I just wanted to your, say from uh... the first episode, uh, what I particularly loved. I mean, I loved it all. It was just such a nostalgia fest, and I just love. Well, I love both of them, but like mm. Beckham as a football, you know, I can very much appreciate. Even though I'm not a bigger fan than you, Boyd of football, I can appreciate what a phenomenal footballer he was. But the element I loved most is um, his mum when she's talking about Glenn Hoddle and the fact that Glenn publicly spoke out about yes. about. David yes. <laughs> she was just like basically he's on my shit he said hit list but you know yeah. she was like yeah he was on my hit list and I thought yeah good for you Mrs Beckham yeah it's a good point Glenn, Glenn Hoddle is exposed as being an absolute tosser mm. when it came to um, not picking, not supporting his yeah team. and just calling him out publicly this is all to do with you know in the famous World Cup Argentina game nope when Beckham was fouled you will know this and he was um, on the floor and he kicked out at the uh, player who fouled him and was sent off and that, didn't and from, deserve a red from card then for the next two years pretty much of his, of his life he was public enemy number one in this country and, he, and faced the most ridiculous, extraordinary attacks on him and his family. Death threats. Death threats, bullets in the post. And one of the most interesting things about that stuff is that I think Gary Neville points out Who's his best man, best oh, friend? Oh, he's hilarious on this. Yeah, by he's way. fantastic. So dry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, I, I do really like Gary Neville, but he's great. Is he points out that back then mental health did not exist as a thing? So you know, David Beckham is being put through this unbelievable, grueling hatred vented at him for two years, mm. after, and all he did was literally mildest of kicks out at this guy. Nowadays, if this if happened now, he, probably, he wouldn't, most certainly wouldn't get a red card. It was so mild. And, and he was so young. He's so young. And, you know, so he kind of threatened to ruin his life properly. He got properly depressed about it. He talks about it quite movingly, you know, kind of on the verge of tears in, in the thing. And it and it does remind you that we have at least advanced to the point where if that happened now, then people would be mm. thinking about his mental health. So, but yeah, I have, to, I have watched the Beckham thing. It is, above and beyond anything else, a brilliantly made piece yeah. of filmmaking. The access. By... Um, Fisher Stevens, who is famously the um, <laughs> classic, famously for me, uh, the oily PR man from Succession, and he is—he just does a fantastic job. And it's partly because he's American, so he is kind of removed from the whole thing, and he can say stuff like he can kind of ask questions from a point of view of almost naivety, but yeah, he knows yeah. what he's doing, yeah. and he gets out. I mean, Alex Ferguson—I mean, I could go on about this all day. I warn you now, even longer than your intro for for me, <laughs> um, but I'll try not to. Alex Ferguson is so brutally honest all the way through. There's a brilliant bit, and he edited very cleverly. There's a brilliant bit where Beckham's become married to Posh Spice. He's one of the biggest celebrities in the world. He's, he's okay, paid a million pounds for his wedding, this, that, and the other. He's hugely famous. And all the all these friends that Gary Neville says, he didn't change him. He didn't change him at all. Oh, yeah. Someone else says, his mum says, yeah, he never changed. And then it cuts to Alex Ferguson to go, Who's, he changed. Yeah. <laughs> like it was so it's, well it's edited. It's so brilliantly done. And there's loads of moments like all the way through. It's really moving because, you know, not just the stuff where he's being abused by vast numbers of people, but when he, he does talk about, they talk about him and Victoria, accusations of him having a, an affair. And they very cleverly kind of work around the specifics. But he, she's basically like venting about this thing for the first time in life publicly. And it's like therapy. This is catharsis. This for is her. extraordinary because they have kept yeah. tight lipped about this. So for... it's brilliant. So they've got Fisher yes. Stevens brilliantly one has won their trust. And she says at the end in the last episode, you know, like these have been therapy sessions for me with you. You know, she just says it, you know, and I've come to terms with I've, for the first time, I've come to terms with these things in my life that hurt me. And I feel like I've recovered from them. It's like literally you're watching someone, mm. you know, in front of your eyes grappling with the hardest things that have happened in their life. It's it's, it's 
like even if you don't know those people at all, mm. and of course everyone does, even you, it's still fascinating to watch. Um, and the other thing I should say is right at the end, he's playing football with Romeo, and Romeo's wearing an Arsenal top, and he tells him to take it off. <laughs> and Romeo is a big Arsenal fan. Um, so yeah, Beckham, watch it. Oh, maybe we should get him to date. No, yes. no, no, no. Yes. I'd rather watch Big Brother. Oh, uh, really? Would you? Yes. Why? Because I don't care about these people, so I'm just not interested. Mm. No. Yeah, don't... but James, I mean, you could list all the things you've made me watch. But I don't care about <laughs> yeah. any of it. No, I watched it. <laughs> That's fair. That is fair. But uh, remember, remember, I have a special show for you in my back pocket. Remember oh, that. Yeah, the back, po- okay. the back pocket oh, show. Anyone who God. doesn't James subscribe to Pilot pocket. Plus, yeah. he's been threatening me, mainly me, but Boyd as well, with his back pocket. No yeah. one wants to know what is in your back pocket. Um, as Boyd said, it is like Partridge's draw. Yeah, it really is. It's a bit like that. Keep it closed. Um, other things I've been watching, because I haven't finished yet, sorry, are <laughs> um, Boiling Point. I did the um, Empire uh, online review of Boiling Point, so I watched all four episodes, which are excellent. I think it's a really they've done a brilliant job on that show the first two were great uh, the second episode is really distressing have you watched episode two yet James I haven't no. I warn you now um, trigger warning it's really distressing great. there's like self harm and stuff in it which is very kind of very very well handled since the end, but it is, it is grim viewing mm. um, and then later on there's a, there's a storyline of kind of um, sexual harassment in the workplace which is one of the best treatments of that I've ever seen in, in, oh, really? in anything yeah they do it really really well quite subtly cleverly you're not quite sure if it's going there and then you know it's, it's fascinating um, and then at the end there's a brilliant you know the, the way that actually no that's a spoiler I won't say that um, uh, <laughs> that's but, unusual restraint for you yeah, yeah, thanks um, but I really loved it and of course we have got Philip Barantini in this episode thankfully the director who's done a brilliant job um, he directed the first two episodes and did very very well and Munia Aki we should mention directed the second two episodes and she does a brilliant job as well so that's that and finally um, I'm going to mention so this is again whether you've already in, mixed up news with uh, with your Hollywood Reporter Top 50 so I feel like it is now this is whether we do this in also out but we couldn't review it. The Reckoning, which is the Jimmy Savile mm. drama, the drama about Jimmy Savile and his victims slash survivors. On BBC? BBC One. It starts on Monday. It's on Monday and Tuesday this week. And, and we couldn't review it this week we couldn't because review they it. only let you watch it. Yes. They're only sending. They're not sending it out on the BBC preview system to anyone. They are doing a, a launch. There's a screening, which is happening this very afternoon as we're recording this on Thursday. And I'm hosting the Q&A afterwards with... Steve Coogan, etc., and head of BBC content, Charlotte Moore, and the writer and producer. Listen to the podcast, does she? Um, I think I'm going to say no. She, no See if you can change that. Get to leave a review. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. Very important. We've got reviews <laughs> yeah, later. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I have seen all four hours. Yeah, I had, to, I had to go and watch it in preparation for hosting the Q&A. Um, but they basically said to all the journalists who wanted to see it, they had to have to go to the BBC and watch all four. Um, because, you know, it's important they wanted to get the whole series, which I think is fair enough in this particular case. I think it's a lot. It is a lot. I mean, I've seen it. Well, I it is definitely a I lot. I will say it's only half an hour longer than Killers of the Flower Moon. That's true. Uh, which I have been struggling to get into a screening of because it takes the whole yeah, day. I, I saw that this week, yeah. I nearly watching that twice, actually, because there's a Scorsese <laughs> after Q&A coming up. I was tempted to go to. Um, but anyway, The Reckoning, the which uh, in which Steve Coogan plays Jimmy Savile, is... A fascinating series um, in, in in all kinds of ways, but what there's various things I wanted to mention about. That I think you know have to be have to be commended, which is first of all, we often I think nowadays every true crime in quotes drama has to be victim focused to some extent. Mm-hmm. And I think we've all learned that you just can't tell the story of 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 the criminal, whether it's a murderer or an abuser in this case without reflecting heavily on the victims slash survivors. And what they do in this is particularly interesting and different, rare, I think, is they've got four particular survivors 
of him, of Jimmy Savile abuse, actually talking to camera in document in a pure oh, documentary wow. about their experiences. And they top and tail most of the episodes and occasionally even are intertwined within the episode. So you'll see a, an event dramatised. One of the kids, one of the boys, was was took part in a Jim Will Fix It episode and they show a reenactment of that and then cut to him talking about it. It's really powerful. And I think that's so important because... One of the criticisms that's been made of it is that there was no need for this. Some people who survivors slash victims weren't happy that it was being made to start with. A lot of the tabloids have had a go at the BBC for even commissioning it and coming and blah, blah, blah. But actually, it's particularly timely now what with recent cases. I'm not, I won't name names, but it really is a warning from history because he, did, he, he got so powerful mm-hmm. and high up in the higher echelons of society. Literally, Margaret Thatcher invited him to... Checkers for Christmas multiple times, and that's in this. This that's dramatised as well. She's in it quite a lot, interestingly. And the people at these institutions, Fenella Walgar, who is absolutely brilliant as her, I have to say. So they have these um, dramatisations of got He was in Broadmoor, you know, in this uh, 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 lead infirmary, and how he wheedled his way mm, in. Gosh. It's re- it is sickening, and it's difficult to take, and it's a lot to deal with. But it, re- you know. We really have to, the more examples of this kind of thing that went that people are doing this stuff that when they weren't caught and they weren't exposed and for every reasons there was an inquiry into him at the BBC, which you forget I forgot you know kind of at the height of his success, which is dramatised in this was, and it's like and yet in the end it went away mm. because he was too untouchable. Yeah. It's like no one's going to believe Jimmy Savile would have done this stuff, and there's loads of like intimations and hints and and kind of allusions to him doing stuff, which I remember at the time as well. But, but that difference between that and actually thinking he is capable of what he actually was capable of is a very different thing. And the whole framing device is interesting because it's like Dan, a guy called Dan Davis wrote, wrote a book about him and it was going to be an official book, like a collaboration between the two of them. And he was interviewing him late on in life extensively. And this is, and the whole drama is built around their conversations, which are verbatim, as far as I'm aware. Because it's like when Louis Theroux interviewed him. Yeah, what's it, so, so what's interesting is the Louis Theroux thing isn't in there, which is interesting. But like other things, like he was on Celebrity Big Brother at one point, and that is dramatised oh, in there. So it's very interesting that. the decisions, creative decisions they make. But anyway, the fact that it's built around this book, that in the in the end, Dan Davis wrote this book about his experience recording extensively, and in those recordings he did, in those interviews he did with him, eventually Jimmy Savile kind of ends up alluding to his own darkness. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. So dramatically, I think uh, it's it's fascinating it, the way they've reached out to the to victims and survivors is i think justifies the whole thing as does you know that what's happening now in certain cases of similar abu- alleged abuse it's it's just a fascinating thing. Is, sorry is this airing weekly two episodes uh, two episodes monday tuesday this week two episodes next week but i think you can get all four um on monday on iplayer i believe how mannered is the performance that's a good point so ah very good question so i I remember the first time I heard that, that Steve Coogan was going to play Jimmy Savile, I was like, that is bold, considering mm. he has done impressions of hmm. Jimmy Savile on like, the trip. I think mm. he's even done impressions of Alan Partridge doing an impression of Jimmy Savile. <laughs> so like in that very comedic context. Yeah. But what's brilliant about him is you genuinely, I know this is a cliche, I totally forgot it was Steve Coogan after about 10 minutes. You just think you're watching Jimmy Savile. So his, um, his impression is uncanny. And when, he's do, when they dramatise stuff like him hosting Jim Will Fix It and Top of the Pops, which they do, then you're like, he's got all the mannerisms and it's a bit mannered and an impression. But in, away from that, for the vast majority of the time, when you see just him being himself in private and being horrible to people, etc., that's when he's just brilliant. He, he's just 
he just does it, you mm. know, without it being a cheesy impression. So he's really so subtle trod that ground, yeah, mm. between the subtlety of when you're watching him dramatized on his own or with his mum, who he called the Duchess, or with you know, etc. He just he does a pretty brilliant job, I'd say, yeah. Sorry for banging on about that, but That's yeah, we, right. we would have reviewed it in any. We but, would have done if yeah. we were able to see if it. We were able to see it, yeah. In fact, it Kay, is, aren't you watching it this afternoon? No, I decided like because it's press day, so I can't Fair go. Enough. I can't give up the four hours, but it's I will watch commitment. it when it's yeah. on. Yeah. And I think it's what it, everyone will be watching and talking about it. Mm. So you know, what have you been watching? Well, something lighter, I hope. Yes. Is that the longest what you've been watching section we've ever done? It might be. <laughs> it might be. We yeah. haven't finished yet. No. Uh, I have to apologise to me, you. <gasps> To Boyd, oh. to the listeners. Oh. sound of this. Because. Rare. <laughs> it is rare. Can we get the recording, Darren? Yeah. Thanks. I fucked up. I oh. fucked up. Ooh. So, you recall last week, I was being particularly insufferable and smug. And I know you're saying, but James, that Every doesn't week. narrow it down. Well, let me try and narrow it down. Every time we mentioned Mira Sayal, I referred to her as, of course, Verin Sadai of the Green Aja, being all smug and all, oh, look at me with my Robert Jordan knowledge from the Wheel of Time. Turns out, I had forgotten she is in fact Brown Aja, not Green Aja. Oh and therefore, I made God. a rookie Wheel of Time error and... Let's, let me just tell you, I would have a number of people who were very disappointed. I mean, I've said it including, before, and I'll say it again on behalf of Boyd and I, what a dick. Yeah, yeah including yeah. the creator of the Wheel of Time? Uh, no, but I did have a strongly worded letter from the Amelin seat. <laughs> I mean, what? I just, <laughs> I mean, it's lost on no me. No idea. But, mm. uh, yes. You got in hot water. Yes, the White Tower, we're not happy. Uh, I am, um, yeah, it, so, so I apologise to everyone for misrepresenting that. I will say, genuinely, if you were to pin me down and say, what is my favourite show on TV at the moment? Wheel of Time. Really? Absolutely true. And, oh, well, not at the moment, because as we go out now, the finale will have aired on Friday, so it'll be finished. But I have been enjoying this season so much, more than the uh, Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. Sorry, Amazon, I know you better love I mean, money for that. So much. Uh, more than the first season of this as well, which I thought, and even when this one Again. started, I was a bit like, because mm, Helen gave this four stars, and I remember going to her, is it though? And then I in watched that annoying it. Way. In yeah, that annoying way. In that annoying voice. That. Yeah, exactly. And she says, yes, it is, James. Shut and she the fuck went, yes, up. it is. Uh, but, but it's amazing. And it, it goes to really dark places this season. I know I alluded to this last week, but the penultimate episode was a banger and I'm really looking forward to the finale I haven't watched the screener link because I don't really want my name in the middle of the screen while I'm watching it so I'm going to watch it on Friday night with everyone else I had a few of those this week on there like I had two yeah. I aggressive watermarking right in the middle yeah. to the point where there was a on screen <laughs> message that I couldn't read because it was banged like, out by my huge fucking name yeah. in the thing I know that's a like you know but it's like come on problems, now come on now really is I tell you the only thing more annoying is when they've spelt Myself and Ross, <laughs> right? K. Ribeiro. Ribeiro. And I'm just like, then it's just there taunting me. Oh, All the way through. Yeah. Painful. Well, when I watch stuff, uh, when Disney send me advanced Marvel stuff, it always comes in a very... Because Disney have two screening sites. It was one that. For, but the thing is, it says it has my name in the middle and then occasionally it comes up with underneath James Dyer, property of Marvel Studios. And I'm like, come on! That's a little bit on the nose. <laughs> mm, no, you are. <laughs> I know yeah. I shill for yeah. it, but I mean, the whole, the whole of Empire is property That's of true. Studios, that is true. Uh, it was that. That's what it was. Yeah, it was Loki. It was yeah, Loki. Yeah. Bang in the middle, yeah. like, taking up a, like, a third of the screen. It does, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I've watched Loki as well. I watched the first four episodes. That oh, reviewed yeah, so it on last week's Pilot Plus. But I, you know, I'm enjoying that with with caveats as I think as I mentioned on Who's that caveats? <laughs> caveats one of the characters yeah. uh, I I like it but I think it focuses more on character work than plot I think it's not the, I, the plot I think is a little bit lacking but I like it. it's good it's good it's just not as good as season one 
But that's not all I've been watching. So, oh. Wheel of Time, wow. Loki. Again, longer than The ever. finale of Ahsoka was last week. Oh, yeah. Have you watched the finale of no, 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 no. Okay. I'm way behind. I'm like, it's, a good, it's a good episode, but again, that's not the plottiest of shows. I feel now, having watched all six episodes, all of the plot for that could have fit into an hour if you'd really tried. Uh, it's been much more of a hangout show than it has been anything else. You're just hanging out with Jedis. Uh, and, and so it's flawed... But I have enjoyed it quite a lot. But again, it's it's massively open-ended. Like, it doesn't resolve anything. So it's 100% setting up either Filoni's Star Wars film or season two, more likely, season two of Ahsoka, which we're clearly not going to get for like two years mm. because they haven't even started work on it. So... Tedious. It, yeah, and it's a bit like, okay, and but also the finale feels like the middle of a season. It doesn't feel like a finale. So it feels a bit like, okay, so you've left us on a cliffhanger that feels a bit like a mid-season yeah. episode well, that's stop. Yeah, really so you're not, it's not that... It doesn't feel that momentous. Mm. But maybe that's just the show in a nutshell. I enjoyed it, though. There's a strap line. Yeah, that's it in a nutshell. The other thing I wanted to do is go to bat for Gen V. So Gen V, of course, the boys spinoff, which we did review. You went here, Kay, but we reviewed it with Sophie Petzl on Pilot Plus a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I think we we were a bit like, oh, it's not not as good as the boys, right? Boy, that was pretty much where we landed on this. I was more, it's the same as the boys. <laughs> okay, was fine. my main observation. Okay. And, yeah. No. I, I, I've, I've come around to it now, having watched some more episodes. I actually do think it has its own identity. And when you get into episode two, there is a mystery at the heart of it. Which mm. which gives it a little bit more bite as well, like like it's like more focus. Yeah, exa it's exactly yeah, that. what, what happened woods? in the woods. Yeah, yes, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that becomes a more central focus. And actually, I've I've you start to feel these characters get more rounded as obviously as you would as you spend more time with them. You start to understand them slightly better. They felt a bit thinly drawn in the pilot, but actually, I'm I'm. I'm enjoying it. You know what now. the woods thing reminded me of? Because in that verse, they were all alluding to it. Oh, don't all don't the woods, It reminded the woods. me of Uncle Bryn on the boat in Gavin and Stacey. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the mystery about yeah. what happened in the boat. Never talk <laughs> yeah, about it. Exactly, yeah. never talk about it. It really reminded me of that. Which is not what they're aiming for, I don't think. <laughs> Presumably not. No. Okay. Well, that was what we've been watching. I'm going to say, like, so I, we were going to do a listener question. I'm actually saying we probably don't have time for one yeah. because we're running at 50 minutes and we haven't what done it. Fuck? So, yeah, we've been at this for nearly an hour and we've barely got into the podcast. So oh we are going to have to skip the listener question this week. For that, all I can do is apologise. Can I just quickly say something, though? I just wanted to flag that we've had a flurry, yes, I'm using that word, flurry of good reviews coming through, um, which has been... Well, stop now. <laughs> yeah, I know, after this uh, yeah. long intro and what we've been watching. But we've had loads of great um, reviews, so please keep them coming. And I particularly want to commend the person who left their review in the Apple Store. So they left us a review saying, oh, it turns out you can re uh, just, you know, log on to stuff. You know, with the like the display phones and iPads. They've oh, actually, wow. Yeah. Oh, amazing. And so you win. You they win. went into the Apple store and left a review. Yeah. That's brilliant. And I just think that's genius. So I just want to give you a particular shout out and say thank you. But to everyone who has um, been asked and taken the time to do it. I enjoyed some of them. It. Got a lot of five stars. One was like five star, brilliant podcast. James does go on a bit. But other than that, it's uh, it's great. So I was like, Thanks. Well, I mean, you know, I think we've just experienced... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can complain about that complaint I mean, when you've started this podcast in the way you did. Fine. <laughs> uh, okay, fine. Let's move on to this week's guest because Philip Barantini's Kitchen Nightmare began in 2019 with a short film called Boiling Point. It continued in 2021 with the excellent feature film Boiling Point, which was incredibly made in a single take and culminated a few weeks ago with a four-part TV show, Boiling Point, which you can now watch on BBC <laughs> iPlayer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, 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 uh, you know, all joking aside, it is brilliant. Uh, and Philip sat down with us recently where he, and you can listen to him now, cooking up a storm with Boyd. Uh, welcome, Philip Barantini, to the Pilot TV podcast. How's it going? Great. Thanks for having me. It's a real honour. I love the podcast. Oh, thanks so much. Thank you. Uh, it's an honour for me. 
Um, it's stop now, it. Yeah. <laughs> Boiling Point, the TV series. Um, it's an amazing watch. Um, the whole idea of turning it into a TV series that wasn't yours. Is that right? It was actually they came to you to say, "Did you want to turn your fantastic film Boiling Point into a TV show?" Yeah, it was. Um, I mean. After that, we never ever thought the film would ever do what it did. You know what I mean? We we sort of made that as a as a bit of a passion project, and you know because the the short was successful, so we thought, oh, let's give it a go and make a feature. And then COVID hit and all that, and it, we it just we sat on the film for about a year, maybe even longer. And so when it came out, it was we were all just blown away by it, you know. And then it was during the time of like the Baftas and stuff like that, and when it was you know, there's a bit of buzz going on about it. And and we were talking about, well, maybe we should maybe do a sequel, like half joking, you know, maybe we should do a sequel or, you know, a, a TV series. And then literally it was a few days, I think, maybe, I can't recall now. But, and I got a, a, an email from uh, Mona, who was the, the commissioning editor of the BBC at the time. She's no longer there now. But um, she just called me and was like, uh, we, she said, jump on, let's jump on a Zoom. So we jumped on a Zoom. She's like, look, have you considered turning this into a TV series? And I was like, well, funny, you should say that. Yeah, we've just been talking about it. And and she sort of just said, well, there you go. Go go away and write a pilot episode for us and and we'll commission it and then and then see see how we get on. And and then we sort of sent the script in after about three weeks, we wrote it quite quickly. Um because uh, because we suddenly then were like oh my god all of these things that we that we wanted to put in the movie we can now put it in the TV series we can now expand these characters because you know a lot of the feedback from the movie was oh I wish I'd have known what was going on with him or her or you know I wish I'd have spent a bit more time with those th- those people so so it was it was exciting for us you know and and we we sort of just jumped at it um, with 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 uh, with everything really. And obviously one of the things that the film, I mean, the film was fantastic in, in many levels, but the one shot, the one take um, uh, format made it particularly uh, stand out. And did you, right from the start of making a TV series, did you realise instantly that you couldn't maintain that for the whole entirety of a four-part TV series? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was one of the things that the BBC sort of said, would you do it in the same as the film? And we were like, Oh, no, absolutely not. I mean, you know, first of all, like my uh, blood pressure probably couldn't take that. But but also, you know, we like what I said there, we wanted to explore these characters further. And that meant coming outside of work, the workplace and being able to go home with them or, you know, f- you know, seeing what they're like outside of work. And we go to a nightclub in one of the episodes and things like that. So. In order to do that, you need we needed to 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 do it as conventionally as possible. And you know, it, I, I say this a lot, and I've said it a lot, but but it's so true. Like it's like you know, if you live in London, you know, it takes about an hour to get anywhere on any public transport. So and a whole episode would have been on the on the bus or the tube, which is not not great drama, really, is it? <laughs> I don't know. I think potentially, uh, you know, no, a, maybe, a whole yeah. episode on the bus, I, I'd, I'd be up for it, personally. Yeah, yeah the characters but... you get on the bus, actually, yeah. that's, a good, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe series two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. writing it down. I'm writing it down yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so did you think, I, I, I went to the launch of the show, which was fascinating at the at the BFI, and you talked about, yeah, you, you talked about how you wanted to use it. To some extent, you wanted to use this series as a way of addressing bigger issues and kind of what's happening in society at large, kind of almost going back to a tradition when I was growing up of, of, of shows like Boys and the Black Stuff and stuff that, you know, were about what's going on at the moment. Was that important to you? And what particular stuff did you want to kind of address? 
Yeah, it was so important to not just me, but also Stephen Graham, who's one of the co-creators, and James Cummings, who's the other co-creator. The three of us sort of sat in a room and were like, right, we've got a real opportunity here now to sort of, you know, because those shows like Boys in the Black stuff, Clocking Off, you know, The Street, all of those real, like, you know, dramas that sort of focus on on sort of real life and, you know, real people and, and sort of relatable issues. Um, we wanted to do something like that because, you know, TV, I think we've sort of lost that kind of that that kind of TV over the years. Like someone said to me recently, you know, they thought the show was bold, and and it's like it's, I don't think it's bold. It's just you know going back to what we what we used to watch years ago, and and sort of and the society that we live in today is very different to back then. So there's lots of things that we can address, and and it was important for us to talk about you know um, the cost of living crisis, um, certainly the the what's going on particularly now after brexit and covid in the hospitality industry in terms of staffing issues you know uh, you know gas and electricity prices all, all of those things but also we wanted to you know focus in on the characters and their sort of mental health and the struggles that they're going through as well because essentially everybody you know everybody in life is is nobody's perfect even though you might it might seem like that on social media for people but 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 you know everybody sort of has these two masks that they put on and one of them is a forward facing or someone the, the mask at work and the other one is when you come home and and it's sort of like you know wanted to sort of dive into that and we kept saying you know this show needs to be a slice of life and you know a relatable slice of life for what people are sort of going through and and you don't have to work in hospitality to understand these characters it, it, it's relatable to to sort of to to everyone really you know oh completely um, yeah I, I, absolutely yeah. yeah um but there's a I'll just episode two has a, has a kind of has a kind of self-harm storyline and it yeah. deals with um alcoholics anonymous and that and, and it's unbelievably yeah. powerful i have to say that um, thank you uh, to watch did you did you you know for you, you directing that what were the particular mm. challenges of that episode well uh, <laughs> First of all, you know, I and I've I, and I've said, said I, I'm happy to talk about my my sort of personal stuff, but you know, I've, I've been sober for eight years myself now, and you know, so I've been through that. I've, I've been in those situations, so I kind of understand it from a personal level. And it was always important to bring that to it to the realism, so that people who are suffering with addictions and things like that, they can they can say that is how it is in those rooms or, you know, well, how people sort of deal with it. And obviously not everybody, it was, it was a case of bringing my, my side of it, but also talking to other people and, you know, how, how they sort of deal with it. And it was, it was so important to get that right. But, you know, again, with the self-harm stuff, that is just incredibly important to, to sort of, um, you know, to, 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 to get it, to get it nailed because, you know, like, Self, I think people think that self harm and and you know suicidal thoughts and um, is is the same. So so we wanted to make sure that it wasn't um, not glorified is the wrong word, but you know what I mean. It wasn't like it's the two different things. And so our character Jamie, who you're talking about, who's going through that, it's you know when people self harm, it's it's about it's it's almost like a release. It's not um, they don't they don't want to try and kill themselves, you know. And and so, the the research that we had to do to to get that right was so extensive. You know, we 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 spoke to um, psych, psychologists, psychiatrists. We spoke to people who have you know who are suffering and or who are going through it themselves. You know, who have been 
through it themselves. And, you know, it was, it was so important to have, have people on set during the, the shoot when we were doing that. And we, we, we treated it very delicately um, in terms of, you know, all the crew were sort of told if they, if they, don't want to be there on that day. They can they can step away and take the day off, and you know it's absolutely fine. And we had people, we had psychologists and and a and a um, any sort of specialist on set, you know, on hand for any cast or crew who wanted to talk to them. And that was before, during, and after as well. You know what I mean? Until everyone was, you know, made sure that everyone was was okay, and then we sort of um, we, we were all happy with it. But you know, again, it was like. It, it, we wanted it to just feel completely sort of real and and uh, and 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 you know and to to yeah to to sort of shine a light really and and uh, and sh- and just show what people are sort of going through as well. And we should say Stephen Stephen McMillan plays Jamie yeah. and he's fantastic. Where did you find him? Well, he um, he was in the feature obviously, but he um, he when we, when we were casting for the feature, there was that that role was one of the first characters that we wrote in the, in the, in the film. And it was loosely based on somebody that I worked with who was self-harming. And, you know, I sort of said to them, uh, you know, I noticed it and I was like, look, this is a safe space. You can, I was a head chef at the time, you see. So, so, so I was sort of, um, and it really like, it shocked me a little bit, you know what I mean? Cause it was quite, it, cause I, I wanted to make sure they were okay. And it, and it immediately hit me right in the heart, you know? So, so when we were looking for that character, Stephen Graham had just been working with Stephen McMillan on a, on a show called the North water. And he was just like, Oh mate, you've got to see this guy. He is just perfect. He's, he's incredible. Anyway, we just, I think we just had a chat and you know, when Stephen Graham says someone's incredible, then yeah. you, you believe him, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. So, so I don't even think we auditioned Steve McMillan. It was just a case of having a chat with him. And as soon as I met him, I was like, this guy's just got so much, you know, um, just so much behind behind mm-hmm. the eyes and so much like he's 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 a proper old soul as as Steve McMillan. He's just a beautiful human being, but um, but like just brought so much to the table, you know. Yeah, he's so good in that in that in that episode too. It's, yeah, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Just yeah. Obviously you have got your experience of working in this, in this kind of workplace, mm. but just the level of authenticity of it is extraordinary as, as someone just watching it. I mean, you've got, and just, I'm just imagining, you know, you've got fires taking, but you know, happening, you've got people shouting and screaming at each other. You've got the food itself, you know, being made. I mean, how, I I can't think of a show where I think I work out how do they do this, you know, let alone the fact that you still have long takes. Like the, the first episode starts with a 10, 11 minute take. Anyway. 11 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you are, you know, how stressful is it for you as the director to do with <laughs> the whole stuff? With the, with the feature film, we, we, we shot it in a real restaurant. So everything worked, everything was on, everything was hot. You could feel it. But with the TV series, it was obviously, you know, you, you've got uh, the, the, the feature was a low budget movie that we basically financed privately, uh, you know, uh, with private investors and stuff. So the health and safety thing was, was there, but it was almost like, I wanted it to be them to be immersed in it and be, and feel the heat, you know what I mean? But when, you know, you do a show for the BBC, it's like, uh, we got to be very careful here with these actors. So all the knives had to be blunted a little bit. And, you know, we, so we built the whole kitchen and rest, the whole restaurant was built in a studio in Manchester and, one of the things I wanted to, one of the first things I said to Adam Tomlinson, who was my production designer, was it has to, like, because my experience in kitchens, working in kitchens for 12 years as a, as a chef, 
I need to walk into there and everything needs to feel like it's it's ready to go and real, you know what I mean? And he did such amazing job. But um, again, none of it was on, none of it was real. The only thing that was sort of worked in there was the was the gas burners in 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 a, in a couple of the hobs. The rest of it was all sort of smoke machines and and you know special effects type thing and lights. So so it wasn't wasn't hot in there. And and so, but I had my chef consultant next to me the whole time, Ellis Barry, who who's a he's an incredible chef and a, and a really great friend. He did the short film with us, um, and then came back for the TV series. But but he, I, I because my experience in kitchens is great. But but you know to try and do to try and do the, all the chefy technical things and try and get the performance out of the actors and figure out the, the shots and, and how we're going to, how it's all going to look was, was it would have been a too much. So, you know, I put my trust in Ellis and said, you know, you deal with the anything kitchen related, anything chefy related. So it would be a case of like, we, you know, we, <laughs> we'd watch a scene and, and I'd, and I'd be really engrossed in the performance and, and everything that's going on around. And I'd be like, that was amazing. Okay. I think we got it. And then Ellis would be like, no, 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 no. They were just, they were holding the spoon wrong. They were holding the spoon wrong. I was like, oh man, we've got to go again. And because we have to go again because it needs to feel real, you know. And and I and I know some chefs are gonna be like dissecting it with a you know, <laughs> with a microscope, but but that's fine because it's you know it's a drama. But but yeah, I'm really proud of, of all of that side of things. And no, the answer to the question is it wasn't stressful really, because I think it, to, in order to make something feel stressful, it has you you do have to have an element of sort of calmness on on a set like that because otherwise it's it's just mayhem and there's no and you don't get anything done and you know everybody's flapping about and so for me I have to sort of keep that element of karma really on set and and that's it starts with me because if I'm flapping about then everyone else is going to be you know um it rubs off you know does does the whole I mean does the whole cast the, the cast working in the kitchen have to do a certain amount of um, training, though, to kind of make it look real. Do they have to know a certain amount about how to be be a proper chef? Yeah, to a degree, it was it was a case because we we didn't have a lot of time to spend, you know, with training them up. I think we maybe had a couple of days. So what I said to Ellis was, what is most important is to make them move like chefs and talk like chefs. And so, you know, the little nuances that chefs do that that you know, the, the general public who cook at home or whatever wouldn't do. So there's certain ways of, again, holding the spoon differently and, you know, moving about and stuff and the lingo as well. It was important to sort of get that down. And I think once you get that sort of thing, then you can start to believe that they are chefs and, and, you know, some of the more intricate stuff like the chopping or things like that, we, we, we'd, um, we'd cheat a little bit and use hand doubles and, and things like that, because, you know, ultimately it's like, first of all, for safety, if, you know, you're, chopping something with a sharp knife you don't want actors to to cut their fingers um and 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 secondly it's like you know to to uh, like i say a chef trained for years and you can just it's like second nature to them and you can't teach that in a, in a short period of time um i'm fascinated by the fact that watching as a viewing experience it's, it is quite stressful <laughs> and, and, and anxiety making <laughs> but at the same time it is really entertaining and you know gripping and all of that did you talk about how to kind of work out that line between making it too too intense possibly uh, as a viewing experience yeah yeah you you know there's this this you can't just be at 11 the whole time you've got to have you know peaks and troughs the whole time so you've got to give the audience a breather and we did talk extensively about those things in the script it was like this moment needs to be a bit of a breather for the audience and then we just bring them back in again but there's always that underlying layer of tension you know uh and and i think a lot of it 
came from script. But then when we were on set, we would um, I would let the the actors play a little bit and improvise around it and stuff. So so the way that I work is I, I, whenever we come on set, first first of all, I I get on set with me myself and uh, Matt Lewis, um, who's my cinematographer, and the first AD, and we just block out the scene and the, we block out the movements of where the actors are going to go. And then, you know, we bring the actors on and then we say, this is the scene. Okay, let's do it. And then we just tweak it and we have a play with it and see what works best and, and most naturally. And so, you know, but then, but then when we get into the edit, the script might change. We might move scenes around and go, oh, that's not working there. Let's ramp up the tension there. Let's, let's add a little bit of music maybe in there. Let's take away the music because it's, it's, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to force, you don't want to sort of force the audience to have to feel something, you know what I mean? By, by, but sometimes you just need to help a little bit. So, but, but usually by taking sound away and music away and having just the sound of the kitchen and silences, little pockets of silences is, is what makes people feel a bit on, on edge because it's, they're waiting for something and, and it's, it's, it's uncomfortable and awkward for them to sort of have to watch that, you know? It's almost like you, you're spying on someone and you, you're a bit of a voyeur, you know? Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, that's, that's so true. I also like the fact in the second episode, particularly, you've got these really annoying um, customers, this this couple that are absolutely <laughs> <Yeah>. infuriating. <laughs> and, um, They're based on, on real customers that, I, that I have experienced. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, that must be brilliant. Well, I was going to ask about that, whether it's cathartic for you to be able to show the other side of it, these absolute fucking monsters that you had to deal with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it it is. It's it's that was a lot of fun. Those guys were brilliant. Um, and you know, and it, and it's so true because because ultimately, like, what we wanted to show there was that you know when you work in hospitality, the doors open, and you don't know who's going to walk in. You don't know what's going to happen that night, and that's what's so like amazing about that industry, but also like terrifying as well because anything if someone if some if someone doesn't like something and they start kicking off, it can escalate very quickly. And that's the same for in the kitchen. If someone t- sends a dish back, then it it has a huge domino effect on the rest of the evening because suddenly now you've got to redo that dish and completely start again. And then it messes up the whole line and messes up all the, the tickets that are on. So, you know, it, it, it's a it's a it's a really it's 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 an industry like nothing else really. You know what I mean? It's like the stakes are so high. Stakes as in yes, and and stakes <laughs> both. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but like it is that ticking clock, you know what I mean? You've got your every single time a check comes in, you are on another another clock is another time timer is set. I have to ask you about a show called The Bear, um, yeah, yeah. Because um, I mean, obviously, your film came first, and I think even the announcement that it was going to be a TV show also came before. But then, meanwhile, it, this show's arriving, which is a phenomenon, and oh, yeah, it covers, yeah, yeah, covers a lot of the same ground. Obviously, it's very different. But but did, what did you feel about that? Did you watch it? Did you did you think, oh no, I don't want to watch it? What was your feeling about it? I did. I, I watched the first couple of episodes of this first season, and I, st- I still haven't watched the rest of it. But I think it's phenomenal. Yeah, it is a phenomenal show. And look, the 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 we're always going to get compared to the bear because it's a, it is a phenomenal show, and it did come out first. But yeah, it's look this. I think it's a great thing because that um, chef or, you know, hospitality, whatever you want to call it, has become has now become a genre. And so, you know, you get hundreds of police dramas, you get hundreds of hospital dramas. Why can't we have more chef shows? You know what I mean? And so 
so boiling point is sort of the first one in the uk for of that of that um from that genre but but yeah i mean look look i i've said this before and i'm gonna say it on every interview i ever do i would love and it would be so cool to do like a crossover episode oh. where where one of them comes mm. over to us or we go over there you know what i mean it would just because yeah. because because it's because because that would really happen in life you know what i mean it could yeah, do yeah. you know yeah. that um, would be brilliant yeah, i have to say that that yeah. would be a dream it is extraordinary <laughs> yeah, it is extraordinary that these are two shows that are both, you know, absolutely fantastic and feel so authentic covering the same, sim- very similar, you know, similar. Ground. Yeah, it, it's kind of amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, uh, really super, super proud of of this show and, and everybody involved in it. You know what I mean? And, and I think, you know, the bear is has set that that sort of, you, you know, it's it's a, it was the first one. And, and it's hopefully we'll get more and more seasons and they will as well. And. And it will just be become a, a sort of, you know, a, a not a benchmark. That's not the right, the right word, but you, you know what I mean. It's like, yeah, it's it's, uh, yeah. I don't yeah. know what I'm trying to say. But no, no, honest, no, but, yeah, but, yeah, I get, but, yeah. But the bear's great. The bear's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. As is boiling point. And for you as a director, I think it's interesting that you directed Malpractice, which was yeah. that great ITV drama, which was again had a very kind of hectic opening sequence you've directed <laughs> yeah. some of the responder which is another show yeah. are you are, are you getting a reputation as someone this guy can deal with you know the nitty-gritty and the hectic whirlwind of life of real life it, it seems so yeah i mean i i never got in, into directing i mean look I, I do i do love watching those sort of high octane thrillers and you know like stre- stressful sort of uh shows and, and movies but but i, I think I've just sort of gravitated towards that, and and I think I think I, I am in my element when I when I'm in those type of environments, and I, and, I, and I do love making shows like that. But um, who knows? Maybe romantic comedy. One I was going to say, yeah. Would, would you like <laughs> to direct a frothy, glossy romantic comedy with George Clooney or something? You know. Yeah, as long as there's a bit of tension in there somewhere, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, sir. That's brilliant. Thanks so much, and Thank congratulations you. on an amazing, amazing series. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. That was Philip Barantini. I was about to go on to this week's reviews. We've got news. We've got to cover no. first. Luckily, there's very little news. So do you want to, Boydie, run off some quick news before we dash there into the reviews? There is some news. There is some news. Um, there was a couple of, like, first look th- stories I saw. Mm. Um, BBC this things. This town. This town, exactly. Yes. yes okay. <laughs> um, Sorry. You, can you go for it? Okay, Stephen Knight's This Town. Um, they showed um, the first look BBC have um, of the six-part series. I mean, it's got an impressive cast. It's got Michelle Dockery from Downton Abbey, um, Nicholas Pinnock from For Life, and uh, Geraldine James. And, yeah, it's set in a fictional town, um, and it charts a rock band band's formation against the real political and social unrest of 1981. Yeah, I mean, I'm in for this because the 80s music, I mean... Love it. Stephen Wright, Stephen Wright, Steve, Stephen Knight, um, and Steve Wright. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm very excited about this, and it does look quite stylish. The mm. pictures of the youngsters. It's basically all about these youngsters forming a band, isn't it? Yeah, um, the youngsters. <laughs> what fucking old do I sound? You sound um, like Partridge. Yeah, well, you know, there's probably a reason for that. Um, so that does look uh, very exciting. And then there was um, another first look thing. Uh, which was for um, this thing called True Love. 
which is a BBC Studios production for Channel 4. And that's it's going to be on Channel 4 in 2024, early next year. And that's um, co-created by um, Charlie Covell, who wrote The End of the Fucking World, which was brilliant, obviously. Um, and it stars Lindsay Duncan, Clark Peters, the great Clark Peters, um, Sue Johnston, the great Sue Johnston from The Royal Family, etc. Peter Egan from Downton Abbey, um, and Ever Decreasing Circles. What's it um, about? It's about, it says... With a core cast in their 70s, true love breaks the rules for older characters on screen, flipping flipping ageist tropes on their head in a series which promises thrilling twists and turns, irreverent humour and passionate romance. It's about a gang of old friends who make a drunken pact, etc, etc. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. It's an interesting interesting point, I think. The other thing I was going to mention is, I was going to mention the fact that the American Horror Story... Um, always takes a while to arrive on Disney Plus. Famously, famously, <laughs> and last year, which was the one in set in New York <laughs> with Russell Tovey. What are you laughing at? Famously, famously. I didn't even say. He said, "The famously thing." Famously, okay, I'll say it just to please you even more. American Horror Story famously <laughs> takes a long time to arrive it does. on UK TV via Disney Plus. Last year, it suddenly arrived without like any notice at all. Like in about suddenly, if yeah. it was all there on, on. In fact, it wasn't all there. It was on there like two episodes a week or something. So I'm assuming they'll do the same thing this time because is this the this Kim Kardashian one, one? This is the Kim Kardashian one. Uh, yeah, which is American Horror Story delicate and all now. All the, what what ha- tends to happen these days with um, what's his name stuff? <laughs> Ryan Murphy. Thank you, Ryan Murphy. Is that he does no publicity whatsoever to the point where you don't know hardly anything about these series now until they absolutely arrive on your TV which is kind of makes them quite exciting but now we do know that the main star of American Horror Story Delicate is Emma Roberts and she plays a former child actor who's navigating sudden stardom and awards attention whilst trying to conceive a baby with her husband and Kim Kardashian plays her publicist and she's ruthless and she's trying to get her an Oscar and apparently all of the reviews that I've read say she's really good. Yeah, I've seen the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. So Kim Kardashian. There's being, nothing Kim Kardashian yeah. can't do. I'm, I'm looking for personally. Not, I mean, generally I'm a fan of American Horror Story. I think it's, you know, there's been some seasons better than others, blah, blah, blah. But it's always, it's never less than fascinating mm. and amazingly kind of daring what they do, what Ryan Murphy does. This is all, by the way, the first one's adapted from a novel by Danielle Valentine called Delicate, Condi- Delicate Condition. That's the um, that's the source material, which he hardly ever does, which adapts someone else's stuff. But, um, what's fascinating is eventually when we review it I can't wait to see James having to review a thing that came with Kim Kardashian yeah, in no. it I, unfortunately I'm going to boycott it out of solidarity with Taylor Swift who oh, incidentally God. famously what, what did a song called Delicate so it all comes full circle oh. okay. uh, did you see that Criminal Record is a new Apple TV Plus show which is coming now in January on 12th of January yes. which stars Peter Capaldi yes. and Cush Jumbo from yes. The Good Wife The Good Fight etc etc is it Cush or Cush? I do I not know so. we are not friends Cush Jumbo could be Cush yeah. could be Cush okay. uh, but either way they're in this and it's an eight part series and it's these two detectives in a tug of war over a historic murder conviction I am excited about that and I believe it's all on the Apple preview I wasn't going to say that but yes it is very early that's an interesting combo those two really interesting combo yes it is looking forward to that did you see that Sex Education is Netflix's most watched series of 2023 here in the UK no, but it doesn't surprise me at yeah, all. There you go. Yeah, that's good. Very good. Good stuff for Sex Education. Are we doing a spoiler special for that? We right? are, in fact, doing yeah. a spoiler special well, of remember. Sex Education, mm. which may already be up as this goes out oh, or okay. may not. It all depends on how quickly I edit it after we record it on Friday. Mm. But it might already be up there in your Pilot Plus feed. But yes, I spoke to Laurie Nunn 
last week all about the final season and in fact the show as a whole raking over all of the plot points and spoilers which is very very exciting we've got a few more spoiler specials in the pipeline one for the wheel of time I think uh, if it's just going to be me apologising for getting my Arjars mixed up for about an hour and a half uh, and we might even be doing a you don't know your Arjars well. from your elbow do you? Yes. that's very good <laughs> <laughs> that's good isn't it? excellent yeah. excellent yeah. Uh, any other news yes, or are we done have you seen the trailer for the all the re- light we cannot see no okay oh, have you seen the trailer for 007 Road to a Million. What? what? This what? is, you know, this is this absolutely extraordinary prime video James Bond reality competition oh series. God. It's what? like James Bond meets Race Across the World. Yes. Oh, it's, okay. It's, I, mean, I remember when it was announced because MGM did this massive deal with Prime Video to supply content. And I remember when it was first announced, like, what the fuck are they going to do? Because, you know, there isn't a film on the way at all. They haven't even decided who the next James Bond is. So... That's massively in the future. So in the meantime, they're making they've made this reality show so, in which the contestants go to locations from James Bond films and have to do stuff like they do on Race Across the World. And there's also like James Bond cars involved, like Aston Martins uh-huh. they drive and stuff. No killing people. Though. But the most insane thing about all of it, I don't think they're allowed to kill people. <laughs> I will check. I don't think they're actually licensed to well, kill. Okay. But who knows? But the best thing about it is, and it's in the trailer, so the trailer's out now, is it stars Brian Cox. What yes. actual Brian? Actual Brian not Cox Brian Succession. Professor Brian. No, not the physicist slash whatever yeah. um, scientist. He plays this kind of like overlord figure who basically tells them what to do, and I think decides in the end who's going to win. And the winner makes gets a million pounds, by the way. Um, so yeah, and then he's in the trailer, he's doing oh, the voiceover, wow. and then you see him, and then you think, I mean, it's I'm mean, good for him. He can do what the fuck he wants, but it's quite funny to see. Or yeah. to have him in it. To have him in it, yeah. He so did that 007. random, don't you remember he did that random Channel 5 show about rich people? Well, that was quite a good, do- I watched that, it was quite a good I documentary. Well. Yeah, about, you know, he has very strong, poli- he's very political, you know, he's a socialist, he's a proper old school Labour socialist. So mm. that was like him looking at inequality, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. In society stuff. But this is a quite, this is a much more That's in- so That was allegedly- looking at inequality and now he's raking in the money for <laughs> well, doing this game. Right. Basically. But this is a, in possibly cheesy I, will let, I won't decide Ooh, Boyd thing. come on let's not judge a show by no. its uh, well, premise you know, it's, it's fascinating that he's doing it put it that way yeah. Mm. Have we now hit the one and a half hour mark? Does that have interest? It feels like we've been here for weeks. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, sorry, speaking I'll... of things that make us feel like we've been here for weeks, Only Murders in the Building has been renewed for season four officially. So that's, that's good another news. one. It's a whole world of, of, uh, <laughs> of um, yeah. Let's do. Let's reenact yeah. the two but not three spoiler special. No, let's not. No. Let's never do that again. Let's let's not do that. Right. Okay. That's you know news. So yeah. let's move on now to. Reviews. Uh, and we come to The Fall of the House of Usher, which debuts on Netflix and is the last Mike Flanagan show to appear on Netflix. He's had quite the run. He's had The Haunting of Hill House, The Haunting of Bly Manor. He's had Midnight Mass. Hooray! He's had Midnight Club. Boo. And now, here we are with The Fall <laughs> like of the House. Yeah. <laughs> right. The Fall of the House of Usher, which is an Edgar Allan Poe riff. This does Bruce Greenwood as Mr. Usher himself, Roderick Usher, and he is confessing to Carl Lumley's uh, sort of district attorney about how his six children died. So this is a strange, almost anthology show where each episode is the tale of one of his children's demises. And each one of those things is based on one of Edgar Allan Poe's stories. So Mask of the Red Death, whatever else you want to pick and choose. So, uh, Boydie. Yes. You have seen all of these? No. You haven't. So, so please, through. did this excite you or did it leave you feeling a little Poe-faced? <sighs> 
Um, first of all, thank you very much for explaining the basic storyline structure. <laughs> no, no, genuinely, because oh, I, right. I was like slightly, yeah, it was like it's quite complicated. It yeah. is. Um, the way it focuses on different characters, different story, and those are stories that are taken from Edgar Allan Poe. So it's not just the fall of the House of Usher story. No. That's like a framing device. And what's 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 interesting is on one level, this is yet another drama series that adapts the Sackler, you know the fam- you know the Sackler yes. family in America mm-hmm. that created the um, opioid disaster of um, these uh, drugs. Well, it, it, there's a, there's a, the, the Usher family is basically like them, yeah. just like it's them. The Sacklers, basically. It's the Sacklers, yes. basically. <laughs> led by Bruce Greenwood's character, Roderick Usher, who Bruce Greenwood was a late replacement, by the way, um, interesting enough, for Frank Langella, yes. who was um, fired, wasn't yes. he? For behaviour issues mm. on set. Um, and he is brilliant, by the way. I mean, I like Frank Langella, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I don't like him as a human being, but he's done some <laughs> great performances in the past. But I can't imagine him being better than Bruce Greenwood, who is fantastic and the framing device is this he's kind of explaining to the lawyer involved kind of uh who's investigating him and is kind of taking him to court in various trial situations and they have this kind of like interview with a vampire style framing device in fact which we'll get to later where they're they're, where they're discussing each other, and and basically he reveals um, Roderick Usher that his all of his offspring have effectively died within the space of a couple of weeks, seemingly. And each episode explains what the hell happened, and, and then there's a mysterious woman figure who kind of hovers over all of the stuff that's mm. happening. Carla Gugino. We should Carla point out Gugino. all of the Flanagan players all are present the, yeah. and correct. Carla Gugino, who's his wife, I think. Uh, no, that's oh, no, uh, that's Casey that's, Siegel, oh, who's also you. in it. Yeah, yeah. Casey Siegel's in it. All right, yeah, thank you. Um, yes, pretty much like Tania Miller, Rahul Kohli. Um, uh, loads of them you reckon Henry Thomas who's in all of them I think wasn't yeah. he pretty much Mark Hamill is in it though interesting as the lawyer who's really I thought he was great like right from the start yes, as soon as you good. see um, a Mark Hamill in this trial situation he's this like enigmatic mysterious clearly completely ruthless lawyer character um I love Mike Flanagan. I think he's brilliant. I, I do agree roughly with your rundown, James, <laughs> of the highs and lows of his Netflix TV creations, for and, sure. And it's worth pointing out that this felt... I was worried about this because yeah. it's it's doing almost what Bly Manor did. Yeah. It's taking an author's work yeah. and essentially splitting it into episodes and it did not work there. But then as we've discussed before, I think he kind of checked out because he was doing Midnight Mass while that was being put together. That's right, yeah. Whereas this, he's he's all in with this. He's hands on in this. Yeah. He's co-written all of the episodes or at the very least and directs uh, most of them. Oh, co-direct, directs or Tony directs the big, the, the episodes, the, the star episodes and the end episodes, if you like. But I really enjoyed it. I'm really enjoying it. I'm halfway through. And it's kind of, it veers, it's, it's more comical, I would say, in, in terms of like, it's quite funny. Like also quite gnarly. But yeah, I was going to get to that in a second. But I, I enjoyed the level of black humour, the vein of black humour, which I think is more prominent, I would say, than yeah. any of his previous um, TV uh, TV things. Uh, it's quite funny and it's quite satirical. And the characters, like the you know the different offspring from mm. the different Sackler style offspring, are really funny to behold like some are more amazing than others and everyone seems to be sexually fluid and bisexual and it's a whole kind of almost like a celebration of freewheeling sexuality which is a whole interesting thread running through which is a thread running through all his stuff to some extent but it really comes to the fore in this one and all I would say is I think the first episode there's a lot to get through there's a lot to explain and it kind of sets the scene and I was thinking you know I'm like I'm enjoying it but the second episode is really dark and it is unbelievably gruesome at the Properly end. scared me at one point as yeah. well. There's an incident in the backseat of a car where yes. I was like, it properly jumped out yeah. of my skin. He, do, he is not averse, as he talks about in interviews, actually, to the jump scare. And I think it, it's... 
the phrase jump scares become such a kind of cliched thing to critique horror um, creators for that if any, you know, film or horror show has any kind of jump moment, you know, it's like criticized. But it's absolute bullshit, that criticism, because obviously the whole inherent nature of horror is you're trying to scare people. Mm. In a moment. But I think I think a lazy jump scare to me is an audio-based jump scare. It's right. when they have a loud noise to make you jump. Oh, okay. Whereas this, it's a visual yes, jump scare. Right. And I think visual jump scares yeah. are incredibly effective because they sneak up on you. Yeah. Because there's no audio cue yeah. to go with it. You just see something horrifying and it horrifies yeah. you and it's more visceral. And what Mike Flanagan's brilliant at is there's loads of examples of where just you suddenly see something in the background. Yes. That he loves yes. doing that. And I love yeah. those moments. They are brilliantly handled. But the second episode, the climax of the second episode, without spoiling anything, hmm. is really really horrendous. It really is. Kay, luckily enough for Kay, her Netflix thing was going wrong. She couldn't lock into Netflix. It's It's been hacked. Her Netflix has been hacked. Continuing the story of Kay's hacking. Having lived with this um, fury and frustration (laughs) that she couldn't log into her fucking Netflix account to watch this show, I know it's true. She's not just avoiding it because you don't really like horror, do you? No, I don't. And also, I I thought this was about, you know, the American singer, R&B singer. (laughs) And then Boyd revealed, no, this is a horror show. And I was like, shit. And then I got hacked. So it's like, fine. All I'd say is you could probably make it through the first episode fine, but... I yeah. would, I would you, the second episode climaxed in that one of the most oh, horrendous no, would, oh. yeah, sequences even I've ever seen. And I can take anything pretty much on, on, no, on TV, I would but I was shocked. Yeah. I, I was like, are they really going to do this? And like, yes, they are. Yes, they are. But loving it. And then, you know, uh, the more I watch of it, as I'm about halfway through, the more, and I'm kind of saving up for the rest of it for the weekend so I can finish the whole thing. But Mike Flanagan is brilliant at this stuff. And I think it's really interesting that, was it Prime Video that have nabbed him now? They have, yeah. yeah. So it's interesting that, you know, they're fighting over his his stuff for him and as, as a creator of brilliant stuff. Yeah, this is the end of his his Netflix run. It's just, I mean, Prime Video, I think, have quite deep pockets because they poached a oh, number well, yeah, of I mean, high profile. It's owned by Amazon. Right, yes. <laughs> Remember. I mean, I say quite deep pockets. That is yeah. an understatement, isn't yeah. it? But like they've quote they you know whether it be Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan like they poached quite a few people yeah. off other streamers or networks or cables to mm. to essentially join their service, uh, you know basically because everyone wants to be a part of the place that has Wheel of Time. So you know I completely yeah, understand. Well, that. I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, I think that's yeah, the reason. Yeah, I've yeah. just been reading a book by the writer of Easy Riders Raging Bulls, um, whose name I've forgotten, obviously, yes. um, because I reviewed it for for Empire Magazine. But he talks about a lot of a lot of the book is what about, that everyone wants to be Wheel of Time adjacent. No, a lot of the book is about how um, the people who run and own the big streamers vie for the talent and the and the, and the kind of tug of wars there have been for, mm. you know, Ryan Murphy, yeah. him, Flanagan, um, even like uh, Fleabag, you know, um, but they're paid, ended up, I think Prime Video gave her a huge, massive... Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, thank you, um, deal, you know. So yeah, it's a fascinating book. By the way, it's great for it to be that way around about you know the the writing talent and the creators rather than just the oh yeah writers are ruling the but writers run the world of one hundred percent yeah like it's 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 an interesting time for that Mm. I think good Um, yes so follow the house of Usher. Netflix Thursday. Netflix Thursday, but also we like it a oh, lot. Gorgeous. Five yeah. stars, yeah. Feels like it's, uh, it's I, I mean I'm not I'm not saying it's as good as Hill House yet. I'm only a few episodes. I think in. it's up there. I mean I think the masterpiece is Midnight Midnight Mass. It's, that's his masterpiece. That's I'd be amazed if he had, I, for me like that is an I, extraordinary achievement. Ooh, yeah, do you know what? I think you're right, but Midnight Mass isn't scary. It's really tense and it's great yeah. whereas Hill House is properly terrifying. Yeah, that's true. The only thing is the final episode of Hill House is I think divisive would be a charitable way of describing it. Yeah. But uh, in fact, someone brought this up recently because they called uh, Steph out. For, Steph Zealand? Yeah, for what? giving uh, 
The Haunting of Hill House, a negative review on this podcast, to which I pointed out they're referring, of course, to Julia Rayside, who oh. came on this podcast during our, our very first week of oh doing podcasts, God. I think. It wasn't memory. the very first episode, actually. I think it was the second episode, maybe the third. And uh, and she really took a dislike to that. Hill House. I remember yeah. that. I was appalled, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> so was I, so I stuck yeah. with me. <laughs> oh my God, how funny. I forgot that. Yeah, yeah it was Julia. Which yeah. became our show of the year. But... I mean, Julia is, is, is a person of strong opinion. She is. Yes. And she did not yes. enjoy that. Which is fair There's enough. nothing wrong with that. No, no of course. Not. Nothing wrong with that. No, but she did not enjoy it. She did not enjoy it. <laughs> okay, that was the fall of the House of Usher on Netflix. Time now to hop over to Apple TV Plus for Lessons in Chemistry. And this is Lee Eisenberg's series based on the novel of the same name by bon- Bonnie Garmouche. <laughs> Say that again. Her name might in fact be just Bonnie Garmus, but I'm calling her Bonnie Garmus uh, with a rolled R in Can the middle do there. the Fandango? <laughs> yeah. Thunderbolt and Lightning. Yes. Very, very Bonnie frightening. Bonnie Garmus, who, uh, who wrote a book actually just called Introduction to Chemistry and her agent changed it to Lessons in Chemistry because she thought it'd be more commercial. That's a hot fact she I learned on. she was right. And she was right. It is a better title. Uh, but yes, Lessons in Chemistry stars the wonderful Brie Larson as a kind of lab assistant at university in the 1960s who is clearly much smarter are much more gifted than the men around her and yet is dealing with institutional sexism uh, and it's also in many ways a kind of meeting of minds between two very clearly neurodivergent people um, you know bonding over chemistry which is great but Kay, Kay did you have good chemistry with this? I did I enjoyed this I haven't read the book I know everyone read it uh, you know one, was it last year when was it out? I don't know I'm trying to think I, there's a point where everyone on the tube was uh, seemingly reading it but um, yeah I really enjoyed this I think Brie Larson is great as Elizabeth um, when the show opens we see that she's hosting her own cooking show watched by millions like the audience hang on her every word and she's a total maverick um, and then it flashes back to seven years earlier when she as you say is a lab tech um, who is belittled and underestimated by her male chemist colleagues who are basically sexist pigs and think she's only good for making coffee um, and taking part in a Miss Hastings pageant um, I love oh my god I love it because she point blank refuses she's very strong willed rightfully so um knows her worth knows you know she bloody hell she's got wait a minute she's got a masters in chemistry from UCLA yet they don't pay any attention to that she's just you know a bit of skirt kind of thing and she's just like absolutely not but is sort of um you know faces a backlash from the department of um the head of the department who thinks she's not being a team player this is when lewis pullman who plays calvin kind of like turns up because he's a reclusive oddball star chemist who sort of locks himself away in the lab and um, doesn't answer to anyone but when he meet he meets his match in Elizabeth and uh, she sort of bowls him over with her theories on biogenesis a kind of foreplay for them right? yeah <laughs> the way they talk about it they get so excited um, and he reluctantly agrees to share his lab space with her not a euphemism <laughs> <laughs> yeah I thought it was really good I think the main draw for me was her her character she just really embodies this you know very brilliant um, chemist who is fighting the good fight, trying to be taken seriously. Um, she educates him on sexual sexual discrimination at one point, which is quite an amusing, sobering moment where he just sort of admits, like, he had to have it explained to him because he was like, he's never had to think about it before. Um, yeah, that's what obviously has held her back. So my enjoyment, I think, like, I just think a lot of my enjoyment hangs on 
is hinges on her character because I just love her feistiness and her like determination to be taken seriously. A lot of a lot of things that I'm sure a lot of women watching can hard relate to. Um, but also the chemistry between Elizabeth and Calvin. And there's this past trauma that seems to haunt her, which is intriguing. I'm sure, you know, will obviously come out in the wash in the first episode. It's just alluded to. Well, um, I think, it, yeah, I think you're quite clear, I think, what it is. You just yes, don't know the details course. around it. But yeah, it's, yeah that's, yeah. that's a, an interesting thread. That's yeah, in there. but how it's going to like play, you know, how it yeah, will how, affect her. Yeah, and, this, and this dynamic the, you know I also really like the dynamic between them but my only concern is I don't feel like it has I don't know how to say it, sort of like the dramatic like this drive this propulsion like to what is the need to watch the next episode mm. like I mean I will watch the next episode because I love this character and I want to see sort of how it plays out but at the end of the episode I'm not left thinking shit I want to watch the next one immediately. So I think that that for me was a slight flaw in it. But Brie Larson is brilliant in it. I think she also has a bit of a look of Grace Kelly from High Society. And you know, mm. I, I love the period dress and um, it's, you know, it's very stylishly... I thought it was really interesting because she both she and he feel sort of coded on the autistic spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was an interesting layer to it, that it's not just that she's a woman in a man's world who's being discriminated against. She's also clearly neurodivergent and struggling with neurotypical people who do not understand the way her mind works or the way she communicates. So you've got those two things working in tandem. And I think it's true of him as well. But being a man, everyone just makes allowances for it because he's a man, whereas with her, it makes her problematic. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting. She actually gets a reprimand at one point for being difficult, whereas because the other guy's a man, everyone just accepts that that's just who he is. Yeah. So I thought that that was a really interesting layer to this. Um, but yeah, it's really good. I mean, Brie Larson's fantastic, isn't she? Yeah, he's brilliant as well. Though. He I is think, very good. I think good. it's two of them. Lewis Pullman, who was in um, the uh, Top Gun Maverick. He kind of was brilliant in Top Gun Maverick. Um, and he's... Because you're right, yeah, they're both socially... Um, awkward to say the least slash borderline as you say I mean there was no diagnosis of any of that at the time they just kind of would be seen as weirdo freaky people but they find each other accidentally and and the the way it dramatises that is really you know you're borderline oh it's all a bit meet cute but actually it works really well and Thankfully, in a show that's called Lessons in Chemistry, the chemistry between those two actors is absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I loved all the detailing of their individual quirks. He goes running. It's like, but running wasn't a th- that's the thing. Running, running yeah. not being a thing back then. <laughs> like, he goes running. Yeah. Running he where? Running. Yeah. as a thing to do just for the sake of it. To yeah, fit. That's but amazing. He's like, yeah, ultra fit just because of his random running that no one else can understand mm. that he does. Um, and showers in his in, in in on the campus in his room naked, and you know, just people, just, everyone, as you as you said, James, everyone just has to deal with his quirks yeah. hers up become problematic I liked all that but I agree with you Kat. I think dramatically it's a little bit relaxed for me mm. narrative wise the thing it reminded me of was the Queen's Gambit like you know this maverick woman who you've learned more and more about mm. as it goes on who's brilliant at this particular thing and becomes famous due to it etc etc but I felt the Queen's Gambit had a much more propulsive storyline to it this I think it is relying more on just how much fun it is to hang out with these two characters in particular um, and that's fine I am enjoying it but I'm like at the moment I'm like I'm not 
desperate to carry on watching mm. it. Whereas with The Queen's Gambit, that was really like ultra compulsive. I think with The viewing. Gambit as well, it was helped by the fact that there was these competitions, right? So there yeah. was like, you know, yes, so you true. had that to like... Sure, yeah, absolutely. It feels like a cross between The Queen's Gambit and the Julia, Julia, the Julia Child mm. drama with Sarah Lancashire because she ends up becoming a TV cook and that stuff's very much like the Julia Child story. Mm-hmm. So it kind of feels like that is a huge element of it as well, which is, again, fun, but I'm not sure. And apparently there's a whole um, sub subplot featuring... Aja Naomi King's character, Harriet Stone, who is very different to the book. She's a black woman facing, de- dealing with a kind of black community in this oh, area. Oh, is this the neighbour? Yeah, the neighbour. Oh, I like, I, do you know yeah. what? I did like that dynamic yeah. with well, she, um, yeah. so oh, Calvin's character. She's yeah. completely um, new for, to, to this and oh, not right. in the book, or at least that character is completely different. Is a, is, a, is a white person in the book. Um, so hopefully, I've only, only watched the first episode. Potentially, her subplot, her story is interesting, but it's not quite as um, compelling as I thought it Yes. Well, it's not I, I hooky, agree. isn't it? No. It doesn't, doesn't really have a hook in it. No. I think it gets its hooks into you, but Ooh. not in that... Pl- I do think it does, because I think she's yeah. I think she's fascinating, and as I've alluded to, I think those relationships are unusual, uh, uncommonly characterised on screen, and very, very real, very, very well realised. Uh, so, and I suppose what they're trying to do is they they do that bit where they tease where she's going to end up, where you know yeah. where she'll ultimately be, and that that's supposed to be enough to drive you along. Well, it's, it's a framing. Not... It opens with you, you see does. her on TV, yeah, and then it ends with her on TV, yeah. and an unusual uh, ending actually to that episode. How mm. they end her TV appearance in it involves a lasagna. Oh, yes. yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, I, yeah, I thought their interaction was great. The only thing I found about this is that I was in this, I was simmering with a kind of low-level fury all the way through <laughs> oh, it. Wow! What because could it possibly like you know, no, not at buttons. the show because oh, right. in the story, like the unfairness, the egregious oh, yeah. level oh, of yeah, the yeah, unfairness yeah, yeah. of how she's treated sure. is so absolutely maddening, and the fact that you know. It's not just they're, they're discriminating against her sex. They don't even understand what that means. Oh, yeah. Because, and the fact that he just goes to her, you know, you're just not bright enough, which is just coded for you're a woman. Oh, And it's, it's just like, you just want to punch everyone. <laughs> There's a line in it, which I helpfully have um, written down in my notebook, which I don't have now, which is that classic thing of like, um, basically about not smiling enough. Oh, God, yeah. And yeah. I was just like... Oh, wouldn't yeah. kill you to smile once in a while. Oh, that, that's exactly it. And like for anyone who's ever heard that, you instantly... I mean, you want to commit a crime. You want to kill them and be like, actually, now I do have something to smile yeah. about. <laughs> now I'm happy and yeah. you're dead. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, um, and there's so much of that going in there and just like, you know, laddie banter and whatnot. And it's oh, just and like... honey and sweetheart Oh, my God, and all yeah. This passag yeah. bullshit. I just, yeah, I, I I found that stuff like... I, was, I found myself unusually cross all the way through mm. it. And at the end, I kind of felt like... A bit exhausted, yeah. Um, but it Imagine is really what good. It's like for well, the yeah, women, exactly. James. Yes, Brilliant. that's what's yeah. called being a woman, James. Yeah. Uh, yes, sorry, Kate. James explaining, <laughs> James explaining <laughs> sexism. Sit there and let me tell you a little bit more about the female experience. Because yeah. yeah. uh, <laughs> you see, Kay, how it goes. <laughs> Kay was fine with it. You had a breakdown. Like, you know. <laughs> it's true. James had a nervo because it was yeah. his first experience. Yeah, of it. That's I was it. just that's like, it. yeah, this is just life. Yeah. My white male entitlement just fell away for a moment there. Look, yes, it is. It is very good. I think it may not be the hookiest from a plot point of view, but I do I do think everyone should watch it. I know Helen O'Hara very much enjoyed right. it because she texted yeah. me to tell me. Right. So, Has uh, she read the book? I imagine she might. Be. Helen's read every book ever written, yeah. so I'm going to yeah. assume so. Because uh, yeah. I'd be interested to talk to someone who's read the book and see how, you know, how it... Yes. How it, yeah, how it compares. Mm. Well... Lessons in Chemistry then, which arrives on Apple TV Plus on a day this week. <laughs> Friday. Friday this week. And finally... And I do mean finally, because we've been waiting about a year for it. But the Immortal Universe has made its UK debut and AMC's interview with the vampire, or to give it its full title, AMC's Anne Rice's 
interview with the vampire oh, no. lands on the BBC. I hate when they do that. What do you hate? You, know, when they, you hate Anne Rice. Yeah. What's she done to you? No, wait a minute. Did you say that's part of the title? I, I, yeah, it's technically what uh, Anne Rice is. I hate it when they just bulk it out with it, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Even when they do, I mean, I love Harlan Coben. It's like when they go, Harlan Coben's the show. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah. fine. Come on. Well, okay. anyway, anyway, despite Kate's. Kate's. <gasps> <laughs> wow. Kate, you James, James, are you kidding me? After, wow. after, after, your, after yeah. your, your emotional thing of like how distressing you found yeah. it, you can't even get my name Sorry, right. okay, sorry, fine. Faye. Um, <laughs> he's, on, he's on the hit list. I am, so. I am. It's like, it's like, yeah, she's written my name. She's underlined it. I'm on Aria's <laughs> list. Uh, right, right. As I was saying, so, so Interview with the Vampire does arrive. Anne Rice's Interview with the Vampire does arrive. It is here a seven part. It weirds me out when they use odd numbers for episodes. <laughs> Honestly, I find it very unsettling. I need an even number show. It's a seven-episode series for this bit. Uh, Interview the Vampire. This is a... Mm, uh, it's an odd one. This is part retelling of Interview with the Vampire, part sequel to Interview with the Vampire. Uh, because the framing device of this, if you've obviously read the Anne Rice novel, which I was obsessed with at university, or seen Neil Jordan's film from the 90s, which I was also obsessed with and is one of my favourite films. Don't at me. Um, at him. Yeah. So that sees Louis, Louis de Pont du Lac, a vampire uh, from New Orleans back in the 19th century. He uh, he tells his story to a reporter called Daniel Malloy. Now, interestingly, this same framing device is used here, except this is their second interview. Mm. And Daniel is now in his, what, 60s? So he's much older, but he's heard this story before. So it's almost like a sequel to Interview the Vampire, where he's telling in the story again, but in a different fashion with more embellishment and more he, why detail. Why would he be doing that? Well, I mean, this is a good question. Well, isn't it? I think it's to, um, you've opened up this cold can of worms now, so we have a I think it's to make it feel more um, relevant and contemporary. Yeah, so and current. literally yeah. is contemporary. And it gives more, and more time to reflect back on manners and morals mm. of that time from the point of view of present day. Yes. Characters. And what's interesting about this as well is because the reporter in this, who's played by Eric Bogosian, he essentially calls him up and says, well, this is different to what you said last time, and plays him like tapes from the last interview they yeah. did in the 70s. So it's a really interesting device. And they keep coming back to this interview format. I was saying this, Louis, who is played by Jacob Anderson, is obviously a man of colour, which is a different development from the book. Uh, and Sam Reed plays Lestat de Lioncourt, who's the his maker, the other vampire. Uh, and you will recall from the Neil Jordan film, it was always very, very queer-coded. It is a homoerotic story. Anne Rice made no bones about this. They were very coy about it in the movie because, you know, 90s. They are not coy about it here. Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise. And also Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise. Apparently, I read, I'm sure there was a a, um, a, a big article about the film, uh, you know, quite fairly recently. And apparently Tom Cruise was more up for the raunch of that than Brad Pitt. I mean, that was, I think that I read Well, Brad Pitt, I think, had a thoroughly miserable time making that film from top to bottom. It was all night shoots. He was very unhappy with the whole thing. Uh, I still love the film. And needed a bigger budget, that film, as well. I don't know. It looked pretty good to me. I thought it was lavish. Quite. Was the toss last time you watched it? Uh, oh, I don't know. It's been a few years. Yeah, but I've it, seen it, on, it many times. It's been on TV recently, and I just happened to look at it, and it's very dated. It's no, really dated. Is it? Yeah. Sorry. Carry no, on. Don't ruin that for me. Sorry. Um, I will say, you know, despite its flaws, bear in mind, Antonio Banderas plays a character who's supposed to be a seventeen-year-old ginger-haired boy. <laughs> I would say that was an odd bit of casting, yeah. but let's move on from that. Yeah. So, so this one, and and this, what's interesting about this, I'm just reviewing it at this point. I'm not I even know, introducing yeah. it. This is even like the longest inter- longest um, introduction you've ever done. It's carry on. Favorite things. Yeah. What 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 I like about this is it's really deliberately paced, as we often say. It doesn't move quickly at all, but no. it, it spends a lot of time, you know 
introducing you to the setting, to the New Orleans setting, to the racial inequality, because it really, really amps up the racial aspect. Because one of the vampires is a black man, it takes on a whole different dimension because it's not just about homosexuality, it's about race at that time and racism, and there's class involved in it as well. Lestat, his maker, is old enough, he's about 150 odd years old, and he he's lost a lot of his humanity. Like, he happily kills without thought, you know, he has no empathy for humans at all, whereas Louis is clinging to his humanity. And this whole takes on a whole other level where, as they're they're bickering eventually they essentially adopt see make a vampire child so this is Bailey Bass who you of course remember from Avatar The Way of Water as one of the Navi um, and she is Claudia and so it becomes the three of them these two adult vampires and this child vampire who in many ways is more ferocious than either of them uh, so it's a really interesting look at you know gender you know racism that particular period you know, uh, you know weird sort of like parent and parenting is part of it as well and growing up and the, the existential problems that you would have as a 14 year old vampire who is stuck for all eternity in the three of puberty while never being able to grow up and what that would do to your mindset. It's absolutely fascinating. I fucking love this story. I loved it in the book. I loved it in the film and I love it as this TV show. Well, Boy, what else needs to be said? Please tell us yeah. about your interview um, with the vampire. <laughs> uh, the funny thing is we've been waiting a year. This first aired a year ago. Yes, oh, it on, did. In America. And then randomly, um, I found out that we could watch it like about six months ago on via various Yeah, they sent the AMC, AMC. sent us screeners for this. Yes. Yeah. So I watched quite a few, a few episodes like months ago and now I just suddenly I've completely forgot like the detail of it thankfully James has just <laughs> detailed the whole thing meticulously so I re-watched the opening episode again the other night to remind myself because I did enjoy it I remember enjoying it but you're right it is slow I mean it takes its sweet time it does and like there's for example there's there's a, the character of his brother um, uh, in this is fairly important in the first episode. He is, um, yes. Uh, Louis, Louis's brother. And there's a scene where they just do some like tap dancing together. Yeah. But just because the shit out of it. Not? Why yeah. not? Yeah. And that goes on quite a while. <laughs> we just start watching the... And I, I did enjoy that about it, but others might feel it's a bit too slow and a bit too deliberately paced. And it's definitely like a bit of a hangout type of thing where you're just watching these characters evolve, get to know each other, engage in various uh, sexual activity whilst levitating, um, which, <laughs> oh, yeah. is, which is a great innovation. We've all done it. We've all been there. Um, but it, I did think it was, it's very beautifully made. It's very, like you want, for example, you're talking about why did they do this framing device of the interview after the earlier interview. Well, the, the present day interview takes place in Dubai oh. in their lavish, yeah. in their it's lavish stunning home. apartment it's in stunning, what looks like yeah. the Burj Khalifa. Right. It's, it's, <laughs> and it seems to me totally gratuitously set there just so it can look even more beautiful yeah. or as beautiful yeah. as the period New Orleans stuff looks because the whole thing does look spectacular. It's, um, it's kind of very slickly put together, mainly directed by Alan Taylor, uh, written by a Roland Jones, is that yes, that's it? Roland Jones. Jones. Um, I just think they've done, and, and I go back to the point which I made, I think, last week when we were talking about how we we're going to review this, which is that, I mean, I enjoyed the interview with the vampire, the film, your favourite. <laughs> I remember going to see it when it came out, I think on the first day it yeah. came out, because it, it was so exciting. These huge stars, mm. Brad Pitt and, in, and Tom Cruise together in, in, this, in this film. It was Did fast, you queue in, in up this, um, at Leicester Square? I don't, I, th- I, don't th- I think I bought tickets. I think you could buy tickets back then, you know, you still can. You didn't have to, you, you you didn't have to queue That up. is how the cinema yeah. works. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, I, I meant more like waiting for the stars to arrive. You know, in the... Oh, outside the, the premiere. Yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 no. I just went to see it on the, on the only day. And um, I was also a big Neil Jordan fan. And I was disappointed by it. Like, so my reaction is very different to yours. I, I, it's been one of the great disappointments for me because I love Neil Jordan stuff. Why didn't you I love the this film? story. I've read the books. We, I think we yeah. reviewed with Anne Rice. Oh, I used to be on the Simon Mayo show. I mentioned 
Oh, you well, didn't you review it in front of her. We did. On, 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 she was on the phone. Oh, yeah, which one? She was great. I can't remember which one. A later one in this. That's in not this good because a lot of them are terrible. Uh, but no, it was it was good. It was good, and she was brilliant. She yeah. was brilliant value. And I think we also reviewed her son's book as well because her son also writes yes, vampire-based stuff, yeah. and he was in the studio. Anyway, mm. I digress. Uh, the the so I but I I really was looking forward to this when it came out, and I was disappointed by the film and remained disappointed by the film. As does I think pretty much everyone involved. I, yeah, I must you. admit I'm in the I minority mean, as alone. a lover yeah. of this film. I mean, I think Neil Jordan's disappointed <laughs> by it. You know, um, because, but but a huge amount of that is because you couldn't really get away with portraying yes. the vividness no. of the sexuality and because this is a radical book you're right it was yeah. a real groundbreaking piece of work by Anne Rice I think and you know it's hugely popular um, and um, and this does a great job of it so yeah. I, re- I really really enjoyed it and I just salute the fact and it does feel like everyone involved is like well put the film to one side because they just couldn't do what we could do now. Let's do it now in the most. And in fact, not only have you got the sexuality, I mean, the, the climax of the first episode is extraordinarily bloody and gory yeah. and violent. And everyone's going like, let's go hell for leather on this thing and just be as vampire and bloody as we could possibly get away with. Because the weird thing now is that TV, and I, you know, TV is more adult and celebratory of this kind of stuff, like sex scenes mm-hmm. and it, than film is. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they don't need to weird, get yeah. a PG. 13 rating. Right, so yeah. we've reached this weird position where it, you, you come to TV for this adult stuff, adult treatment of porn. this kind of stuff. Borderline. Borderline porn, <laughs> Not yeah. Porn. Raunch, shall Freedom. we say. Although Freedom, that said, yeah. I will say The Fall of the House of Usher features a club scene where almost everyone is naked from the waist down, which was quite that's a lot. That's what clubbing's like that's, these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've like not a... been clubbing in a while, but last time I went <laughs> oh, there, I was allowed to keep my pants on. That's an average night out for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's another example. Yeah, In The Fall of the House of Usher, what you can get away with this stuff, if that was in a film, there'd be like massive alcohol. Oh, yeah, It's absolutely. so weird how that's happened. But anyway... It's 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 great. I really enjoyed it, and um, and even though it's it's not propulsive to say the least, I still really enjoy it. Before I jump to UK, I just want to mm. say one more thing, and it is one of the reasons why I really like the film. Is bear in mind what Interview with the Vampire was, which was Anne Rice dealing with grief over the death of her daughter. That's what that book okay. is. She wrote it in a flurry, in literally like a week mm. or two weeks. And bearing in mind, it was based on a short story that she'd written previously. She wrote it really quickly. It might have been a month, but either way, she wrote it very quickly after the death of her daughter. So the character of Claudia is essentially her dealing with her grief. Yeah. And I think what the film does well is it you process that. Louis's relationship with Claudia and all of that, that, that really spoke to me. I thought that was incredibly well done. Uh, I don't know quite how that aspect of this is going to be dealt with in this, but I think it's less of a focus in this. Uh, but I think yeah. that felt that felt, that formed the core of a lot of the the film stories. She's supremely creepy in the, in the, in, in this. Well, yeah. yeah, they they do it really well. Yeah, yeah. she's great. This is one of Kirsten Dunst's. Was it her first role or one of the her first yes, roles? It was, in, yeah, in yeah. and Christian Thingy was in it as well. Of course, I forgot. Um, you know, Christian Bell. <laughs> Christian. No. Oh, Christian, Christian Slater. 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 Sorry, Thank I you. thought you said Christian. I, it was the yeah, trio. Yeah. Yeah. Christian Slater was Slater. Antonio Banderas wasn't the big Bandera, star at the time. But he was known for like fans he was of Almodovar films. Yeah. Almodovar films. Had he done, he'd done El Mariachi at that point. Had he done Desperado? I think Desperado came after. Big, big star study. Huge, big, exciting thing. And it wasn't very good. And it was great. But yes, Kay, what did you make of this? I enjoyed it. I, what, what do we say instead of slow paced? Uh, deliberately. Deliberate. Deliberately right, so paced. So it is deliberately paced, but because I lo- enjoyed the New Orleans setting. New Orleans. And, yeah, and, and the period, you know. New Orleans. New Orleans. <laughs> the period um, piece of that. I was happy to spend as much time there and, and to explore his family. So I know like the tap dancing scene obviously did play out. On, but it was all part of a, you know, a, a point, you know, the sister was getting married and yada yada. So like I enjoyed spending time with them. So I didn't begrudge them. 
the slow pace. Um, and also, I just really think those two, Sam, is it Sam Reed? Sam Reed and um, Jacob, Jacob Anderson, Anderson, a.k.a. Grey Worm yes. from Game of Thrones. A.k.a. Rally Ritchie. His music is great, by the way. Check okay. Out, yeah, check out Jacob Anderson's oh, yeah, music. I yeah, love yeah, his yeah, music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Multi-talented. I, I, yeah. His, um, I just thought their chemistry was fantastic, right? So I just w- loved this sort of metaphorical tango they were doing around each other, him trying to resist uh, Lestat's attentions and unable to um, resist him in the end. So yeah, and all the kind of sex scenes that played out, I thought it was great. They have a great chemistry together and I love anything that Jacob Anderson does. I just want to say the other thing that I think personally is brilliant is Eric Bogosian as mm-hmm. as, as the mm. journalist. He is fantastic because he has, very, you know, very he's really, really good. He has he's got Parkinson's disease, the character and the way he, the way he deals with all that is fascinating. And he's always been, I've always loved Eric Bogosian. He's a fantastic mm. um, talent. They also do very interesting things with the framing device and the viewpoints. Yeah. There is an episode whereby you want to, f- when Claudia is introduced, we switch from this, you know, interview format to he's given access to Claudia's diaries. So we get to see an episode entirely from Claudia's point of view via the medium of her diaries from the That's time which cool. again is a, is a is a really nice a nice device they use yeah. so yeah I think this is great Interview the Vampire finally which comes to the BBC when Boydie Thursday 9 o'clock um, they're showing it in like double bills every week but it's, it'll be on iPlayer as well from yeah. Thursday I believe yeah so we can yeah. finally catch up to yes. the rest of the world and presumably they will at some point pick up the Mayfair Witches so yes. that we can continue our forays into the immortal universe we shall see. Right. What else is out this week, oh, Boydie? God, a lot. A busy week. <sighs> yes. Frasier, a huge TV event. That's, Which we're going to review on Pilot Plus. Yeah, it's, it's, it's embargoed. It's embargoed annoyingly uh, a couple of hours into Monday. Yeah. Um, so because th- subscribers on Ryan, what time does subscribers get? 6 a.m. 6 a.m. Yeah. So because of that, we couldn't review it. It's embargoed till like the afternoon on Monday. But we'll we, we, we do it in Pilot Plus. Um, I have seen multiple episodes. You've seen, you went to the launch in yeah, the UK. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, so that's Paramount Plus Friday the 13th. Um, we've mentioned The Reckoning, the Jimmy Savile based drama, which is on starts today, Monday at nine o'clock, carries on tomorrow, Tuesday. There is also um, Court. C A U G H T. C Asterisk A, asterisk U, asterisk G, asterisk H, asterisk T. Like How annoying is that? That's <laughs> on ITVX on Thursday. And that is a very interesting comedy, Australian comedy Ooh. about soldiers. Kazin. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you love an Australian. Soldiers sent off on a top secret mission to a war torn island, which remarkably features the cast features Sean Penn playing himself. What? In apparently a very funny self referential. Thing. Oh, I'll yeah, check it out. fascinating. Yeah, Sean Penn playing himself. That's on Thursday on RTVX. Cobra Rebellion, hmm. which is the <laughs> what's that? I don't know what that noise was. Charming. Um, no, what you mean? It's the third series starring Robert Carlyle as Prime Minister Robert Sutherland, dealing with various disasters in each season. And this time, it's an environmental disaster causing major destruction. Uh, that also Victoria Hamilton very good as his chief of staff. Uh, Jane Horrocks is in it as well. There is, um, I haven't finished yet. There's Goosebumps. Goosebumps on Disney Plus. Disney Plus from Friday. That's in there. They've got a whole load of um, Halloween, clearly Halloween timed mm. um, content, to use that horrible word. But that that's, um, yeah, the TV series based on R.L. Stein's horror books. Shining Veil is back. It is. Season which is two. also the horror comedy with Courtney Cox and Greg Kinnear. It wasn't brilliant, was it? I think we reviewed it. I was off the week oh, you reviewed you it. But yes, this is on Lionsgate Plus on it, Friday. It was one of those things that wasn't that funny or that scary. And it's a comedy <laughs> horror. But it is back for a second season on Lionsgate Plus on Friday the 13th. Oh, yeah, it's Friday the 13th as well. So not only is it Halloween coming up, it's also Friday mm. the 13th. There's a drama on Channel 5, also on Friday the 13th, called The Good Ship Murder, which stars... Um, Shane Ward 
who you will know, James, from, from winning the X Factor. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah, who's also in Corrie, though, as of course yeah, you know, yeah, being yeah. a soap uh, expert, okay? Um, and he plays, it's brilliantly like Taylor to Woodman, he plays a cabaret singer who's on a luxury, luxury Mediterranean cruise where murder takes place. So Definitely, he has to act yeah. and sing. So it kind what of feels like that, that is on Channel Five mm. uh, on Friday, and there you go. I think that's it. But it's a yeah, that's a, a load of stuff, a load of stuff. If I've forgotten everything, apologies. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is our pick of the week? Fall of House of Usher. Kay hasn't seen it though. Beckham. <laughs> oh, I'm going Beckham. Cheat. Yeah. You cheated. That wasn't in our review list, Kay. I know, but you I was. Maverick, I couldn't see can. one of the things, so I'm just substituting. Okay. Mine it's is interview sub. with the vampire. But Is honestly, I enjoyed. Usher. Yeah, but uh. I enjoyed all three of these things. Yeah, I would say. I would say interview with the vampire and Usher would be my top tier. Uh, and lessons of chemistry would be fractionally below them, but all three I would say well worth watching. Yeah, good week for TV. Yeah, good, mm. week, for good TV, week for TV. Yeah. Plus, apparently Beckham, and, uh, pl- and plus the reckoning, and the reckoning, which, is, which I haven't seen. Huge event, yeah. And strictly, and strictly, apparently, <laughs> this, what, apparently I'm on, for I'm my mum to watch. Just yeah. reenact the whole beginning first half oh, of the God podcast. <laughs> Yeah, let's do it again yeah, what have yeah. you been watching Absolutely oh not. god uh, yes we will be back in your ears next week but before that I should say if you enjoyed the show please do as other people have done mm. go into your local Apple store hijack an iPad and leave us a five stolen <laughs> I, honestly, iPad rating I fucking love that yeah love it's amazing did that everyone, there's stopped. no excuses now everyone knows there's an Apple store near them we do just, it. now now it's a kind of competition of like who can find more inventive ways of leaving a review that's right different situations skywriting yeah. graffiti on the houses of parliament <laughs> whatever you want Anyway, 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 you can follow us on social media at James C. Dyer, at Kay Ribeiro, at Boyd Hilton, and at Pilot TV Pod. On next week's show, I have no idea what we're oh, doing. Oh, you know what's on next week? Next oh, week, I've been yes. waiting for this moment. Bosch <laughs> Legacy is back. No. Well, yeah, no, it's like Jane, it's like a hate, love hate thing for Jane. So Bosch Legacy is back, but so is Breeders. I know, I know. Yes, let's have a Breeders debate. Yes. I, I'm I, I mean, breeders, breeders. I'm going to say I'm this is not a good idea, but let, let, let's see what okay, happens. Let's, let's see what happens. Let's see what yeah. comes out. Burning Girls comes to Paramount yes. Plus. Bodies comes yes. to Netflix. Dark Winds comes yes. to Alibi. And Colleen Rooney comes yes. to Disney Plus. Oh, yeah. I mean, what a week. What, what a, a week. What a week. Extraordinary scenes. Ooh. And Elite. Netflix, my favourite Spanish teen drama. There you go. Yeah. Massive. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we'll be dealing with some of that next week. And on Thursday's Pilot Plus, we will be dealing with Frasier. The Return mm-hmm. of Frasier, and reviewing the first episode of Reservation Dogs, which we've just oh, dropped in at the last moment. So that's going to be fun. Well remembered. Yes. We'll see you then. In the meantime, I'm going to explain a little bit more about the female experience to Kay. <sighs> so, first thing you need to know is this. <laughs> <sighs> Pilot out. <laughs> <laughs>